We are traveling to the land of extreme with an extreme watch party of ECW's One Night Stand 2005. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, for kicking out at two as we are going to be celebrating the 14-year anniversary of this event with a special watch party on the WWE Network. Thank you all so very much for tuning in once again. i uh, got a good buddy of mine joining me this week, a guy who um, you know has done a lot of these with me, uh, and I have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, hanging out and doing these watch parties and doing these podcasts with him. Uh, we just recently attended uh, Money in the Bank, uh, the XL Center in Hartford. Uh, my good buddy Dennis Levy, what's going on, man? Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. That that I'm really excited for this one. ECW in its glory years was probably my favorite wrestling of all time. So I am very thrilled to do this watch along. Yeah, this is not the glory years of ECW, but this is more or less the. Um, the, the WWE version of ECW, the, the the first launch, not the one they did the year later in 2006 where we'd eventually see the zombie and all the stupid gimmicks that they did. But this was like their, this was before they decided to go full time with it. This was their reunion show, so to speak. And they allowed uh, Tommy Dreamer and Paul Heyman to get all the old ECW originals together. So uh, this event... Um, Mired in, in controversy on a number of levels that we'll get to in just a moment. But before we do that, um, search for ECW One Night Stand on WWE Network. Have your WWE Network logged in. You should already have it logged in if you're listening to this right now. Um, log in and uh, go to the pay-per-view section under the ECW banner. And the uh, the, the date is uh, July, or excuse me, June the 12th, 2005, 14 years ago to this date. And... Um, as you're searching for it and getting yourself all ready, you hit the mute button because you're going to be listening to this alternate commentary um, as you're watching this. Because why would you listen to anything else but this alternate commentary right here uh, between Dennis and myself? But uh, as you guys are doing that, um, just want to let you all know that uh, we are part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. So you can check us out, uh, search uh, Retromania, and uh, you'll find all the backlog backlogged archive shows of Kicking Out at Two over on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. If you have Google Play, Spotify, Stitchers, iTunes before it sh- gets shut down, um, Spreaker, and any other podcast platform available. If you want to listen to Kicking Out at Two, you have to search Retromania because we are in that Retromania family, and you'll find all the shows there. You can also find us over on SoundCloud.com, as well as all the backlog um, archive shows, the links to those shows on our social media, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two. Uh, we got articles, pictures, debates, memes, uh, videos, and discussions on both of our social media pages on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So be on the lookout for um, all of that and then some. And, uh, you know, as we are, uh, as you hopefully you found it by now. And if you have, um, like I said, June the 12th, 2005, ECW One Night Stand uh, under the ECW uh, section of the pay-per-view portion of the WWE Network. And uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of a countdown when you are ready. And hopefully that is right now because we're going to go in five, four, three, two, one, hit play. Um, you're going to bypass all the uh, commercials, by the way. So I forgot to mention that to you. So if there's a commercial for toilet paper or anything like that or the next, uh, the next Saudi Arabian show <laughs> that WWE puts out, um, yeah, bypass all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, we uh, you, you're seeing the, the the TVMA portion here. The following program is rated mature. Um, you can activate the parental controls from any device by going to the account settings. But don't do that. 
Um, but here we are opening the Hammerstein Ballroom, the site of the last original ECW pay-per-view, Guilty as Charged 2001. Um, January of uh, January 7th of 2001, as a matter of fact. That was where the last ECW pay-per-view take pl- took place. And uh, fitting that this reunion takes place in the, uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. What, do you, what, what did you think of when you heard that this was coming back for one night, Dennis? I, what was your take on it? Uh, the, the tr- uh, full disclosure, that uh, I, I thought I was going to hate it. Really? I, I, I thought it, WC, uh, WWF's bench at this time was not good. And and I didn't think it was going to... And I didn't think they were going to let them like really... I they were going to have a leash on it. They really didn't. The, 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 this show was very, very impressive stuff. That that uh, It actually felt like an ECW show. And going in, I really thought it was going to be a pile of shit. I really did. I'll be honest with you. Um, the way things were described in the rumor mill, it, it I I don't blame you for feeling that way. Because, you know, as we see here, Joey Styles making his way into the ring. Um, he originally wasn't slated to work this show. Um, they were going to have Michael Cole or Jim Ross with like an ECW original like Mick Foley um, call this show. And, uh, you know, Paul Heyman and Tommy Dreamer had um, a lot of influence in this show. Um, originally, from what I understood, from what I heard, uh, WWE was, wasn't really going to reach out to a lot of ECW originals to be a part of this. They were going to kind of use the, the guys that they had under their roster to um, to be a part of this show. And uh, Dreamer and Heyman were like, no, you got to call this guy. You need to use this guy. Why aren't you going to use this guy? And they eventually um, were given free reign to kind of book this show on their own. Um, and Joey Styles was like, I heard like an 11th hour last minute uh, call because um, – they had another ECW reunion show that weekend in Philadelphia at the old ECW arena, uh, which was run by um, Shane Douglas and uh, Raven, the Hardcore Homecoming promotion. Yep. Styles was a part of that. When this original ECW concept, the One Night Stand, was announced, um, a lot of the ECW originals that weren't under contract to WWE decided to band together and do their own version of, a, of an ECW reunion show because they thought WWE's version was going to shit the bed or it wasn't going to live up to, you know, the the folklore of the original ECW. And uh, um, when Dreamer and Heyman got involved, they started making some more phone calls from what I've read in my research. Um, and Styles was like a last minute deal because he called the action for the Hardcore Homecoming show, which was like a straight to release DVD. It wasn't like one of those where you can like order it on like internet pay per view or anything like that. I wonder if um, internet now that, that you could probably you probably could like download it or something. Don't you yeah, think? I'm sure you could find. Yeah, it's Hardcore Homecoming. And, and I implore anybody who's listening to watch that. That was an incredible show. That, that was, was a really good show. It was a good show. I, I believe my brother Daryl has that on DVD. Um, there was a documentary that came out that was produced by Jeremy Borash, who at the time was. Um, working behind the scenes and creative for TNA. Mm-hmm. And he was a, he was a big um, part of putting that hardcore homing, homecoming show together. And they did a documentary of all the guys that didn't participate in this relaunch of ECW, uh, the one night stand show, a part of that documentary. They kind of did like a, um, a, a documentary on the, the, the ECW organization from the beginning. Todd Gordon was a part of that Raven Sandman, all the guys that didn't 
participate in the first documentary. They did it on the, the Hardcore Homecoming DVD, um, which was pretty good. I believe I've, I believe Daryl also has that as well. He's got a lot of DVDs um, and a lot of a lot of stuff. I used to have some of that stuff, but I uh, I, I think I gave it away or sold some of it. But um, yeah, um, so there was going into this event. I don't blame you for for feeling the way you did because there was not a whole lot of uh, hope of watching the original ECW under the WWE banner as we see yeah. Lance Storm making his way down the aisle with Dawn Marie um, in this opening match uh, for ECW One Night Stand 2005. Uh, at the time, this was advertised, not by WWE, but by Lance Storm personally, as his last wrestling match. Uh, he wanted to end his career uh, against an opponent that he was very familiar with, but someone who... Um, he wrestled his first wrestling match with, and that's uh, Chris Jericho. Yep. Both guys uh, tag team as a part of the Thrill Seekers God, in, uh, so good. in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. As we see a flashback here of Storm's time in the original ECW with Justin Credible as part of the Impact Players. Um, you're a big Justin Credible guy. Oh, he's, he's arguably, I know a lot of people are going to heckle me for it, but he was arguably my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, in ECW or just in uh, general? Uh, not in general. Like, we was Avalon Toy, the jobber. And that was tough <laughs> to get behind. Yeah. But, uh, but just incredible. When he was on fire, mid to late 90s in, e- in ECW, it, it was awesome. It was like watching, like, if, like, Nirvana could be a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, the band Nirvana mm-hmm. could be, like, a wrestler. Like, the grunge and all that other stuff. It'd be just incredible. So, I loved it. I That's really a did. good way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah. Um, He's got a documentary that's going to be coming out shortly uh, regarding uh, some of the struggles he's gone through in his life with uh, substance abuse. Um, he's local. He's a, he's a Waterbury, Connecticut guy. Yeah. Um, and he's got a podcast, too, called I Hate This Podcast. Um, I never did listen to it. Is it a good one? I've not listened to it. Um, but um, I, I don't know exactly what he what, what the format of the show is. I'll, okay. I'll have to check it out one of these days. Chris Jericho. Entering the ring in his old Lionheart gear from his days uh, when he wrestled in the original ECW. It's looking damn good, by the way. Yeah. I mean, Jericho, uh, world-class performer, uh, even at 48 years old currently today, still reinventing himself and really keeping relevant in the wrestling world. Yeah. Um, I hope to God, like you said, say it out loud, 48 years old. I hope to God he's not going to be the first AEW champion. I you, re- you, you don't you don't think? Uh, I think it's going to happen. He'd be a good choice. I don't know. You want to look like a young guy? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I'm I a little sour. I guess I'm a little sour too. It won't be Kenny Omega, but that. Uh, but you can't have a 48 year old Chris Jericho be your first champion. I mean, I I won't be against it if he is because he's so. Um, He's a recognizable star, and I think going into their, you know, AEW's uh, television debut in the fall on TNT, I think they'll need a recognizable name and a face at the top like a Jericho. I, I could understand why they would um, they would uh, put him in that position if that's what they plan to do. Um, but I honestly feel like he's he's in the position he's in to help make uh, Hangman Adam Page. Um, and that's why the two of them are going to headline the, that all-out pay-per-view August 31st. It's going to be a big day for wrestling in general. There's a lot going on that I day. think that's awesome, by the way. Between that show, 
NXT UK TakeOver is going to have a big event earlier in the day. New Japan um, is running an event for the first time um, in, in the United Kingdom as well, going head-to-head with WWE's mm-hmm. NXT UK brand. And then you got All Out later that night. Man, there's a lot of wrestling going on August 31st. It's 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 a wrestling fan's dream, I should say. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, we're talking about AEW a little bit. They kind of have that like us versus them um spirit uh that that ECW was very um popular for being like the anti-establishment yeah. kind of organization. I think that's what AEW's expectation should be. Should it be let's go after you know the big shark, you know? Yeah. It's lay your groundwork and like make your make make your impact, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And it, whatever happens happens, you know what I mean? Like ECW can argue has the biggest impact of the of the of, of of wrestling in like the late nineties, whereas like like the Attitude Era, I don't care what anyone says, it's influenced by ECW. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, ECW had a strong influence on you know WWF programming and even WCW to some extent. I mean, WCW you know picked up a fair amount of ECW oh, guys. Stole those dudes, you know. Uh, during during that time period, well, stole. I wouldn't necessarily say uh, they stole some. Yeah, maybe Mike that's Awesome. Me, that's me crying sour grapes. Maybe sister. Mike Awesome. I mean, yeah. and we'll see him later on in this on this uh, watch party here. But um, yeah, no, you, that's a good point. Like their expectations should kind of they should do what AEW does best and not what WWE does best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, they shouldn't try to compete. I think the big uphill battle that's going to be for them is generating revenue early on i mean they they, they've sold out their 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 first big show double or nothing in vegas they're probably expected to sell out the show in chicago for all out on august 31st um that's great and all but you know the structure of their television deal is rather interesting um one of the reasons why they made it um into the conversation with television networks is because tony khan knows a few people in Time Warner Media that own TNT. So that's how they got that conversation going. They are not an established entity, and TNT has given them a television deal. However, TNT's not paying AEW to air their programming on their network. Mm. They are they are paying for the production costs, which means they're going to use their cameras, their directors, their production crew, their equipment, all that stuff. And they're going to split the advertising revenue with AEW. Now, here's the issue with that. That's an uphill battle in the next few years of AEW's existence is advertising because they are not an established organization and WWE being an established wrestling organization, entertainment entity, whatever you want to call it, advertisers are going to go with the established product that they know that's going to make them money. Whereas AEW is a virtual unknown to television advertisers. Mm -hmm. So they got to hope that a lot of advertisers want to take their business and and pay money to put their 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 product on their programming. So that's going to be the uphill battle for them, I think that I think a lot of people don't really understand and get from a television aspect. I think they'll put on good shows. Uh, I think they'll they'll do well, you know, from a live event standpoint for tickets. Um but Television revenue, that's going to be a struggle. Um, 
But yeah, I can I can see, and I think that's also a reason why I think I could see Jericho become the AEW champion um, at that time because he's a recognizable name. At television advertisers can say, "Oh yeah, Chris Jericho, that guy used to be on WWE." Yeah, sure, we'll, you know, we're we're Eminem Mars or we're Skittles, and we'll throw you X amount of dollars to put mm-hmm. our ads on our on your programming. You know what I mean? And it makes sense. I just. I, don't I get know. what you're saying because if they're new and they're trying to start exactly. up and like they they want to make a name for themselves, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you know, I could see, you know, I I, I could see why you would want like a younger guy, um, with the title, you know, for the one of the first AEW. Uh, it just cracks me up too, where it's like AEW has what two pay per views essentially, and everyone and everyone's like, oh, here's the competition, and like, oh. WWE, watch yourself, tread lightly. You're going out of business, and I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? You know what? I, I said this on the um, on our extended roll call episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, nice single like Boston Crab. The by uh, this whole match. <laughs> that that that, that uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, but no, that, no. that that uh, that that uh, looked like uh, um, about like five minutes ago. Lance Storm was going for like a back elbow. Chris Jericho did a drop kick. Oh yeah, oh, it was a, that was a good spot. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, these two had great chemistry yeah. together, um, and this is the only time I ever saw them wrestle um, each other. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, when 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 did they ever wrestle each other? Not really. They didn't really like. Maybe maybe they touched uh, during the um, the alliance invasion angle, but other than that, I don't think they really. Oh yeah, that was a nice counter by Jericho, going for the the lion tamer. Not the walls of Jericho, the Lion Tamer, because this is ECW uh, One Night Stand. Here we see Jason Knight and your boy right here. Yep, Justin. Justin Credible. Boom, nice drop kick. Yep. Taking both guys out. Roll up. One, two. Kick out by Jericho. Bam! Yep. Right in the face by Justin Credible with the cane. One, two, three. And your winner, Lance Storm, in this opening match for ECW's One Night Stand 2005. I know we talked over this match a little bit, but this is a really good match. It was. Um, good way to open the show. Crowd was into it. Yep. Um, I like the little, players back together. Yeah, Impact players back together. This was a pretty cool, um, pretty cool shot here. Um, yeah, where was I at when I was talking about AEW? I kind of want to finish my point, but I don't even know. I'll, I'll, I'll get it at some point. I'll probably come randomly here. Replay here, showing Jericho. Bam! Oh, he caught it right in the head. Like, legit. One, two, three. Here we see Storm with the victory. And you know, at the time, Dawn Marie, she was pregnant. Was she? Yeah, during that time period, she was pregnant. Um... And they brought her in for, uh, for... Actually, I think she was still working for the company at this time. I think she was still working for WWE. But they brought her in for, uh, for for this show because, like I said, there was a lot of a lot of names that WWE didn't want to call or didn't want to use. They and Heyman and uh, and Dreamer really pushed hard for um, for uh, these guys to uh, to be a part of this big show. Can't you can't do a, a reunion show without you know some of the bigger names from the original ECW, yeah. you know? That uh, and, and uh, Jericho, yeah, that 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 uh, lost in the shuffle. That that is the ECW work was was incredible. I was I was glad to see it, seeing them to wrestle for sure. 
Yeah, I didn't get a, I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of Jericho's ECW stuff. I mean, I can go back on the network and watch it. I know he was only with the company for maybe about a year. Um, and I wish they didn't do this, by the way. That, well, with the invasion, with the Raw and SmackDown yeah, guys? Yeah, I wish that that didn't happen, but... How come? Well, like, for example, like, like when Paul, later, when Paul does his promo, right? And, like, you know, he, he mentions the, uh, the Matt Hardy thing with, with, with Edge. Edge and his stupid reaction to it. Yeah. And, like, you, you know, and, and, and JBL doing the... Yeah. And, like, it, I didn't like it. Okay. All right. I mean... And, and, and then, of course, too, that, that uh, here was Paul Heyman pouring his heart out. It's hard out, but but thank you to the fans and like you know sharing some memories and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, he stops and does almost like a WWE promo. You know what I mean? I hated that. Okay, all right. I mean, we'll, we'll you know we'll put we'll put the sound on later when that when that when that promo comes up. But um, you know we we're talking about ECW guys that were um, that weren't used on this show. New Jack was one of them. Um, apparently, uh, according to the the, the rumor. The rumor mill that WWE wanted to put him on the show, but he had some legal issues that were unresolved in the state of New York, so therefore he could not work. Mm. Um, well, here we what? see like a little highlight package of some of these individuals that had made their way through ECW, like Terry Gordy, um, Mike Lockwood here, mm. as once was Crash Holly. And he was there in ECW, was he? Um, I think like briefly. Mm. Um, here's the original Sheik, the nephew of Sabu. The suicidal, homicidal. Um, I don't know who this Mike Lazansky is. Never heard of him. Oh, I'm not familiar um, either. Yeah, I wasn't really too familiar with him. Um, you know, the one half of the Pitbulls. Oh, I used to love the Pitbulls. I think this is Pitbull number two, <laughs> yeah, I could say. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, the Pitbulls, uh, interesting tag team. Big Dick Dudley, another Loved one. Him. Gone too soon. Yeah. I didn't eat that, you know? Uh, to be honest with you, I do not know. It probably wasn't very... Uh, oh, Chris. Yeah, Candido. How sad is that? He, he, he dies from complications of a broken leg? Staph infection, yeah. yeah. And it was a month before this show. Because he was part of um, he was part of TNA. He was working for TNA at the time. He broke his leg during a match on pay-per-view. I remember uh, we ordered the pay-per-view and we watched it happen. And then complications from a staph infection. Um, and I guess apparently like he was like... Getting his life back together. He was cleaned up. Um, that's why TNA gave him another chance. Um, it was a big... Uh, it, it was a big loss for the ECW community, I guess you could call. Yeah. That Candido... Um, uh, he was awesome. Man. Yeah, he was good. He was and, really good. I don't care what anyone says. I love the Body Donuts, too. I really You like the Body Donuts? I with loved him in, them. With him and Sonny? I or did. with him and Zip? Um, both. I, I mean that. The, the tag the, team? The, I prefer the tag team more than the, than the Solar Act. Yeah. Tom Pritchard didn't appreciate it, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, but, right. uh, but I, I love the Body Donuts. I did. I thought they were a good heel team. Yeah, they weren't bad. They weren't bad. When they tried to turn a baby face, I didn't think it worked. But, yeah. Um, uh, a, a team that was very popular towards the end of ECW was this duo here, Tajiri and Mikey Whiprick, yep. a father uh, accompanied by um, the Sinister Minister, um, Father James Mitchell, who at that time, um, I believe he was already signed with TNA, or he was going to sign with TNA. I could be mistaken, but he was working for TNA at this time, and WWE used him on this show, which I thought was rather interesting. I am... Has he ever? Has got uh, 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 Mitchell? Yeah, Mitchell. 
Has he ever worked for WWE? Uh, not regularly, but I think he did like a cam like this role here, and I believe he was on the the one night stand pay per view in to- in two thousand six, the following year. Uh, but I, I don't just think, think he's he was terrific. I do. Oh, I think he's a great talker. Yeah. Um, I think the presentation with him in the Abyss character in in TNA was that was his best work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was really like, some really yeah. good stuff. Um. Even the stuff he did with Tajiri and Mikey Whipwreck in the original ECW was was good stuff. I didn't care for his WCW stuff with like Mortis and Wrath and all that. They tried to do that like Mortal Kombat oh, yeah. kind of yeah. theme to it here. Um, FBI, the Full Blooded Italians, Little Guido, Tony Mama Luke, uh, Tracy Smothers, who is not really Italian, Big Guido, the the the, the big son of a bitch right there, mm-hmm. and then you had um, J T Smith. The African American individual in the ring. Um, I don't remember him. Yeah, the, this was like early incarnations of the. There were different incarnations of the FBI, and like Guido was like the only one that was there from the beginning. Okay. They kind of like little Guido, I should say, yeah. uh, Nunzio. They they kind of rotated guys in and out. Um, I love Super Crazy. Yeah, he was good, man. He was good. Uh, he he would have been a good. Um, Name to put on the, uh, the 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 cruiserweight brand, the two hundred five show uh, currently, but um, they didn't, you know, they didn't do much with him. He, WWE. I, I thought he was over like Grover, but you're right. He never didn't. He never won like big matches though. Yeah, he was very popular. He was kind of like a highlight reel kind of wrestler. Um, when he when he was in that faction, I forgot what they were the called. The Mexicals. Yeah, the Mexicals. That, that was it. When I saw them going, all three of them coming c- coming down the ring of lawnmowers. Yeah, I'm like, that's not hey, racial that's stereotyping. I don't like know that. what there is. Yeah, that's it, boys. Yeah, <laughs> the show is over. Yeah, that was kind of silly. Yeah. Um, but these three here used to have uh, some great matches um, against each other in the original ECW, um, triple threat matches yeah. as well as um, even tag team matches too. Uh, yeah, Whipwreck's yeah, on the outside, but he, you know, him and Tajiri, they had a great match at, um, it was an ECW pay-per-view. It was one of the last ones towards the end. I want to say it was Massacre on 34th Street. It was Tajiri and Whipwreck against uh, the FBI, Little Guido, and uh, Tony Mamaluke, and then um, Super Crazy and Kid Cash were a team. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of high-flying uh, moves. Um, in that match. I originally thought that that was what we were going to see on this pay-per-view, but we saw the triple threat here, which was um, some pretty good stuff. Yeah, this was a good match. I mean, it... it, it or I should say, it's not triple threat. It's a, a three-way dance, Yeah, they would like to call it. Because um, three-way dances, it was two pinfalls. You had to eliminate. It was an elimination process. It wasn't like triple threats where there's one pinfall to a finish. Um, but was this elimination? Yes, this is an eliminate. That's okay. what an ECW three-way dance was. WWE didn't normally do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but um, I just remember. I know who wins the match. I just don't remember how it happened. Yeah, or to what you know who was. Yeah, there you see a leg drop by yeah. Guido. There, that's a good one. Crowd pretty into it. Crowd, crowd was into this whole show. I mean, this is like, like you said, the closest thing to like, yeah, what an ECW original 
Like show I said, was. other than other than the Paul Heyman promo, I really, really thought this felt like an authentic ECW show. It, well, yeah, it, it definitely made it feel that way. Like being in the small building, like the Hammerstein Ballroom, there wasn't a whole lot of um, major production, um, cosmetically, to to look at. You know, you had a small set, the ring, the lighting, just like it had this very like underground like fight club feel to it yeah. here we see crazy going up on the balcony and oh yeah moonsault onto it's kind of funny you can see the some extra guys <laughs> yeah they had all they had the other 40 other yeah. members of the fucking fbi out there to take the fall for him yeah, yeah. ec dub ec dub yeah going crazy yeah it would drive me crazy when uh when it's well, when it's deserved, I like it. But like with the, the, when it's not done, when it's like this is awesome. Oh, oh my god! Everyone just they went, o- they've yeah. overdone that. They've overdone that. I think like when I was when I was at um, NXT Takeover twenty five in Bridgeport recently, um, I forget what match it was. I want to say it was Tyler Breeze and Velveteen Dream. They had some sort of sequence. It was like very quick. Like it was early on in the match, and the crowd was already chanting, "This is awesome!" And I was like. It just fucking started. Like, you know, give it about 15, 20 yeah. minutes. Then you get chanted. It's like they overdo it, you know. It's it's just, yeah, it's oh, like a shot. stupid. Yeah, there you go. Tracy Smothers, nowhere near Italian. I think he's fucking from Tennessee. <laughs> it's funny that the only Tracy Smothers that oh, I know. The oh, mist. that was a good spot. That was a nice spot. Yeah. Oh, and a ding-dong shot to Big Guido right in the Brajol. By uh, <laughs> by uh, Father James Mitchell smothers back in it again. Oh, to Jerry with a kick. Whipwreck now involved. You know, Mikey Whipwreck trains Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Is that right? Yep. Boom. Little second rope stunner. And we're gonna see the exit of Little Guido in this ECW three way dance. So. Oh. That was I, the way they eliminated was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, that sequence of events. Yeah, and now we get to these two guys here who have a quite the history with each other. Tajiri wrestled his debut uh, ECW debut match at the Guilty as Charged nineteen ninety nine pay per view, uh, January tenth nineteen ninety nine against Super Crazy. Oh wow! Yeah, and this was before Tajiri had like the leather pants and the and did the whole green mist thing. He was like he wore like you know blue. Shorts, you know, tights like with you know really? white, white kick pads. I yeah, he didn't. That. He didn't have like this like sinister, you know, stereotypical Japanese wrestler look at that time. In 1999, he was he was like clean cut. He didn't even have facial hair. Um, do you know that Tajiri wrestled in the uh, the WWF light heavyweight tournament Did under he? A, under a different name? I don't remember the name, but he wrestled in the tournament. I I, t- I used to love the uh, yeah I remember I, that's why I, I like that to better you. than I like that better than I did it, it, I, most a lot of people won't agree with me but I liked it better than what uh, the WCW had with the cruiserweights yeah yep. no I will disagree with you on that yep. no like talking and making uh, I can't stupid yeah seven, seventy pounds later you be uh, the champ in your but, opinion but yeah Taka and like I and I and I like Brian Christopher I like those dudes I, I really did. We saw her earlier, and I wanted to kind of bring this up, but I found this story um, while doing some research. Uh, we talked about you know Dawn Marie being a part of this show. Um, apparently, there is a rumor going around that her and Francine had an altercation backstage at this event. 
Um, and it was said that Dawn Marie, Dawn Marie felt Francine was blowing her off. Um, she found it very patronizing. Um, and, uh, she thought it was, you know, kind of unprofessional considering Francine was an outsider yeah. and wasn't a big part of, you know, he, she wasn't working for WWE at the time. And then Francine had the following to say here as we see the match over yeah. super crazy with the victory. One, two, three, pretty fun match. I will say, um, Francine says, this did not happen that way. Dawn came over to me and said hi. I extended my hand to her and we shook hands. Then I said, how are you? She said, I see you're as pleasant as ever. Rolled her eyes and walked away. I just ignored her comments. If she called me a bitch, I didn't hear it. I didn't disrespect her in any way and I did shake her hand. We're not the best of friends, but I shook her hand because it was the right thing to do. Whoever told the story is lying to make me look bad. There were people standing with me that saw me shake her hand. Many have felt that there was a physical altercation between the two, um, or that there would have been a physical altercation between the two had Dawn Marie not been pregnant. Um, another thing which is likely to have upset Dawn Marie is that Francine ironically took her spot at the end of the show, which she was, she was involved in a cat fight with Beulah, um, who she has, apparently has heat with stemming back from their old ECW days. Uh, There's a little interesting tidbit there about uh, some of the behind-the-scenes Goings on. Well, like you said, though, if they wanted a catfight spot, how is Don Murray going to do that, you know? Yeah, because if she's pregnant, you don't want to yeah. see some old ECW clips here. Um, some of the earlier stuff. Terry Funk and Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio's awesome. Yeah. Shane Douglas. This is right here. The February 5th, the night the line was crossed. Oh! Oh, Jesus. Paul Heyman with the telephone to the back of the head. A sensational shirt. This is a crazy spot. Mike Awesome practically broke this guy's back here. Oh! Uh. <laughs> yeah, you liked Public Enemy, huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did not. Yeah. I did not, but yeah, they got that crowd going. I will say that. They got that crowd going. Sandman, big part of the original ECW. Oh, he, he was probably the worst wrestler. I mean, you can argue that he was the, he was the worst Jesus. wrestler that ever got a major push. Yeah, bell to bell, he 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 had nothing. But he had presence. I give him. Yeah, his charisma, yeah. his presence, that entrance. I would put Sandman's entrance in the top five of wrestling entrances of all time. Oh, he was so Undertaker's awesome. number one, but I'd put Sandman in that discussion with the Enter Sandman song from Metallica. The way the crowd got into it, and that's the shitty part of this here on the WWE Network. They couldn't get the Metallica song licensed. So they had to use, they had to like dub over the song with like a generic kind of their version of the, um, of the entrance. Maybe I'll play the audio during his entrance so you can kind of get the feel. But I remember that was another thing too, is that like WWE did not want to pay Metallica to use that song and Heyman pushed really hard for it. He's like, if you're going to have Sandman, you got to have the Metallica entrance. And that was a story I heard. Um, I think I heard Dreamer talking about it once I busted open. Um, yeah, it was uh, Luthez, yep. Jack Briscoe, Ricky Steamboat. The hell? Oh, that's. Uh, I was oh, Steamboat? I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Oh, it's from Douglas's uh, NWA promo yeah. there when he threw the belt down. Shane Douglas, another individual who was not a part of this show. Um, he had that hardcore. Ho- he was part of that hardcore homecoming show um, the night before. Uh, in Philadelphia. He was a big part of that. He helped organize that and get all those guys together. But um, 
on this night at one night that stand. A, that was amazing. Yeah, the, the ring breaking yeah. that. Someone gets seriously hurt with that shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got lucky. Yeah. yeah everyone walked away from that pretty clean. But yeah. um, Shane Douglas was working a Ring of Honor show this night in in New York City. Ring of Honor held a show head-to-head with these guys in New York City, um, which was uh, pretty ballsy. No kidding. Um, I would say, why would Ring of Honor even do that? They were, I mean, it was 2005. They were still, mm-hmm. they were like three years in existence at the time. So, I mean, they were, they were running wherever they could. But yeah, um, apparently Douglas was, um, he was booed out of the building at the Ring of Honor show. The New York fans that went to that show. I don't know where it was in New York City um, where they held that show. But um, yeah, Douglas was booed out of the building. I think the Ring of Honor fans just didn't want to see someone from the past. Have a big role on their show. Oh, friend, psychosis. Keep the mask on. Yeah, yeah. Psychosis was um, there's a reason why he wore the mask. Did yeah. you hear the story about him recently? No. He fucking saved a guy's life in a car accident. No shit. Some car, like there was a car accident. I, I forget where. He, oh, he was in the car, I think. Um, and you know what? Let me look it up real quick. I'm gonna look this up while we uh, while we watch this match here with him and. Uh, him and Rey Mysterio. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. The uh, the, the the cruiserweight. Um. Here's and, and just uh the, just to be a dick. So <laughs> one guy saved one person, and then another person killed another person. What do you got here? What are you talking Rey, about? Rey Mysterio. He killed that dude. No, that was a Mysterio. That was a Mysterio. Yeah, he did the six one nine, and the guy later. Oh, you are right. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. I was making, Par- a, Par- I was making a bad joke. Out that's of all right. I, I, I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Some might, but, you know, that's why I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pero Aguayo, I think his name was. It, they said he was, that the, it, sadly enough, the kid that died, they said, I never saw his work, but they said he was, he was going to be in a, a terrific, terrific wrestler. Yeah, I didn't really yeah. uh, see his work either, but... Um, from what I understand, it was a terrible, unfortunate incident. Um, and they were still going on with the match. Um, yeah, here we go. Let me get the article right here. I'll read it to you while we're watching this. Mexican wrestler who also appeared um, for WCW and ECW, Psychosis, was traveling with two other men in a car in Canada. But in torrential rain, the vehicle, the vehicle believed to have skidded off the Ontario Highway and into a ditch he claimed was filled with water. Wrestling promoter Danny Duggan, real name Danny Warren, detailed the horrible accident in a post on Facebook. After, and then he revealed how psychosis at the age of 47 saved him from drowning by kicking his seat in the upturned car, apparently allowing him to breathe. Duggan wrote, literally in what had to be less than a split second, I am almost completely underwater with just my nose, mouth, and surface of my face above water trying to breathe. I remember screaming in urgency that I was stuck and couldn't get my belt off. Then something awful happens. The same seatbelt that saved my life was now turning heel and costing me it. In what felt like weight weight shifting in the entire car and what was either one of the boys getting out of the car or trying to get at me now completely forces my side of the vehicle and me completely underwater. The fight for my life was on as I'm now desperately trying to get my head above water, but there's no above water in that space. I'm literally grabbing anything and anywhere trying to post my head up and survive all while still fighting with the seatbelt. The same seatbelt that saved my life was now turning heel and costing me it. I was stuck and quickly running out of air and had the realization that hard reality is I was suffocating, that I'm going to die. This is it. 
As I was continuing to fight, I felt someone put pressure on the seat. I believed it to be psychosis from the mumbles I can hear underwater. This offered just enough room for me to catch short breaths for what felt like seconds as I kept struggling in and out of water. Duggan said that he saw his life flashing before him and started to cry underwater before he was rescued. The sports promoter says he suffered a severe concussion, very severe, and deep lacerations, cuts, and chunks of skin gone from his scalp, ear, legs, and arms. He also wrote that his head is swollen and his hands are mangled. Psychosis, who was in WWE for one year between 2005 and 2006, escaped with just cuts and bruises. Wow, that sounds horrific. Crazy stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so, so how exactly did he... I, I kind of missed it, that... The, that uh, so psychosis kicked his seat. Yeah, he like I guess like like was sitting behind him in the car, and I guess like he put pressure on the seat, and so enough so that like the guy who was sitting in the seat can I guess keep his head above water because if he sit sat back in the seat, he was going to be underwater. I guess just enough to get him out. Like Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, I know crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Yeah, but um. Kind of makes you feel bad that you said he should wear the mask and that he's an ugly fuck, huh? Yeah, kind of does, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just a little bit, huh? Yeah, right? I mean, also, but, um, I also made fun of uh, Mayor Stereo killing somebody. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. You're on a roll today, yeah. Dennis, I'll tell you. Um, but no, uh, these two here were um, uh, the Lucha Libre style. Uh, they, they brought it to the United States of America in ECW, the first to, to kind of do that. Um uh, with the influence of Conan, who was, um, a, oh, here we go. Oh, what a fucking leg drop. That was a good spot. To Mysterio over the guardrail from off the top rope by Psychosis. But, yeah, these guys were the first to, to do that Lucha Libre style in the United States. They came over from Mexico. Conan brought them in. Um, and the Lucha Libre um, style of wrestling was like an attraction for ECW at the time. What did you think of Lucha Libre? In ECW, as a big as a, as a big ECW uh, diehard fan, I tell you what. Looking back at it, I enjoy it, but at the time, I didn't like it. That uh, like the Luchas, no, you didn't see them in the WWE or WCW at the time. But ECW had a certain wrestling style to it, and like and. It, and I just didn't think it brought. To, I don't think that brought what what their niche was. It just didn't bring it to the table. Like I said, it was like, like looking back, I could watch those matches and be like, "Wow, that's incredible." But at the time, I didn't appreciate. No, it. I didn't. Okay, that's no. fair to say because there's some things that I don't, you know, necessarily jive with back then that I could appreciate more. Um, I've always been fascinated with individuals who um, were fans growing up and then eventually got into the business and what their thoughts were on certain things that they liked growing up and did they like it the same way that they do currently while they're in the business you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i had a couple friends who um who wrestle independently in the new york new jersey tri-state area um and <laughs> oh hey now um psychosis in the front row i believe that's sandman's wife is blonde right there yeah she's a hottie for yeah sure. exactly yeah yeah she's She's all the way live, as they like to say. Um, Stereo with the Tijuana tea bag into the front row. Tijuana tea bag. To, to, to psychosis here. Is that, is that the real name for that move? No, that's just something. Wow, that, that, was, that, was, that was. I think I saw somebody say something about it on the line. <laughs> right, I don't think they've ever used pretty it. Pretty good. Yeah, I don't think they've ever used it. Um, some <laughs> some old ECW originals sitting right there in that front row. Uh, yeah. You saw um, Chris Chetty, uh, who was uh, Taz's cousin. He was sitting there at some point. I think C.W. Anderson was also there, too. 
as well. Um, I like C.W. Anderson. Yeah, I but thought then, he was pretty uh, good. Him and Tommy Dreamer had an I Quit match. Which yes. That was incredible. Yes, that was at the last ECW original pay-per-view, uh, the uh, Guiltiest Charge, 2001. Was it really? Yep. And Mysterio here wow. with the victory over Psychosis. Um, some thoughts on this match. Um, from what I've been reading and doing some research. A little, little short. A little short, but um, yeah. Um, I guess uh, both guys weren't too pleased with this match. They knew it could have been better. They were a little bit upset with it. Um, this is according to uh, a report I'm reading through uh, ProWrestlingInsider.com back in uh, June of 2005. Mysterio, I guess, was said to be working with a bad knee. Um, that may have been part of the reason why we didn't see as much from him. Or, uh, I mean, although we just saw right there that finish with the jump off the top rope. Um, yeah, so I guess these two weren't exactly pleased with it. I thought it was a decent match, but it didn't. I mean, it didn't embody what the um, what their matches were in the original ECW. As we see the 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 SmackDown part of the um, the invasion. Of this ECW pay-per-view here with uh, Kurt Angle leading the charge. Uh, not too far behind. I think we saw JBL in that shot earlier. Yep. Um, who's going to play a big part of this show. Yep. Um, yep. Heroes which, being the wrestling lore for what he did. We'll get into in a little bit, yeah. Imagine, now imagine... Imagine JBL... In the original ECW, I think it would fit. I thought I think you would. He'd fit. have been the top heel. He'd have been the ECW champion. He yep. would have been. He would have been the guy. I totally agree. This guy nearly, nearly apparently out of uh, the big three, the first promotion to have a shot at Kurt Angle was ECW. You are correct. That is right. After he had won the Olympic gold in '96 at the Olympics in Atlanta, ECW uh, came calling. And he was going to be a part of that promotion. I think he even made an appearance on their TV. And that was the same night that they did the Sandman Crucifix angle with Raven. Uh, you remember that? Yeah. And that's when he said, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I want my money. I don't want to be a part of that. And they didn't air his portion on the show. Um, they didn't even have him on TV at all. And I believe that was when he kind of... Uh, I believe he was doing uh, like local like uh, sports casting for like a local station in Pittsburgh, television station. After that, okay. Before he went to WWE. Like I can't imagine. What's he like doing? Baseball or something? Like ah, uh, I, I don't know. Shit, I don't know. I yeah, I think he was you know, I don't. I, I don't think he was calling like games or yeah. different sports. I think he was just like you know the the local. You know, like NBC has what's his uh, NBC Connecticut has what uh, Kevin Nathan yeah calls it. You know, he just kind of covers all the local stuff. You know, yeah, he was kind of doing that here. As uh, we get another uh, promo package here of uh, some some old ECW highlights, the Dudley Boys. Look at deep uh, Bubba. Bubba. <laughs> yeah, with the stuttering gimmick. I hated that when they did that in WWE. I thought that was stupid. Yeah. Oh, right there. Big. Yeah, you're getting you're getting the cliff notes of like the 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 big moments from East W. You see the Rey Mysterio, that Lucha yeah. Libre style. Scorpio. I loved Scorpio. I love I yeah. loved them too. Nine one one. 
who was not a part of this show. Apparently, he was a part of the Hardcore Homecoming show, uh, but was not a part of this particular show here. Did Fonzie call any matches? So, so, uh, of course, I was... Fonzie was a referee in WWE for a little while. Yeah, what happened to him? And WCW. And then he started reffing in ECW, and then they, they turned him into a gimmick. He became a manager. Yeah. He was like the crooked referee that eventually became a manager. See Steve Austin here with his best Eric Bischoff impression. This was not too long after he left WCW, or was fired, I should say. Raven and Dreamer, that iconic shot right there with the handcuff to the cage with the, <laughs> the steel chair. Here we see Ray in psychosis. Shane Douglas and Gary Wolf. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Oh, this was interesting. And Jerry the King. Jerry the King Lawler when... Uh, the candlestick writes in the nuggets. Yeah. When uh, WWE and ECW working together. Oh! oh yep. Sabu. Jesus. That hurt. Right on the top. Who was, oh! that? Who was that that gave him that back? Benoit. Was oh, that Benoit? Yeah. Jesus. Oh. He could have he, he got killed for sure. Though. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, see, this was the beginning of Fonzie right here, where he was with the whistle, and eventually, oh, Todd Gordon, the founder of the original ECW. Violence on women, that's what uh, ECW yeah. was very big on during that time period. Probably the only promotion to do that. Uh, just, and then the way they did it, too, like... Uh... Like, I remember the porn star, Jasmine Sinclair... Yes. ...getting power-driven on a table on the outside. Oh, Rhino. <laughs> Rhino did that to her. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, she was uh, married to Blue Meanie for a little while. Of all people. Is that right? Yes. Stevie Richards here with Beulah. And there he is. There you see Blue Meanie right there. Yeah, Blue Meanie she was married to. You believe that shit? Yeah. Well, she is a porn star, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but still, like if you're gonna if you're gonna date a porn star, yeah, be, make it Jasmine St. Clair. Yeah, because sure. she's only been with like five hundred guys <laughs> in four hours. Oh. I mean, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> you know, you'll be like sloppy five hundred and one. You know, instead of <laughs> you'll get her sloppy five hundred and ones or whatever the fuck it was. I don't know, she was famous for some sort of gangbang or something. I think you're right, I think you're right. Yeah, she was one of the first to do that sort of yeah. thing, like set the, the record of like how are... many guys she has sex with in a certain period of time. Yeah. So, so the kids who are, who are listening are born past 1995, that, uh, are there even, uh, I know I'm totally doing a 360 year, are there actually still famous porn stars? I don't know. I'm, I'm out of the game. Um, uh, that, that, uh, <laughs> I'm out of the game. When were you in the game? <laughs> that's true. No, no, I'm just saying they're like... I don't know. know. I mean... But, uh... Like the Jenna Jameson's... Well, Jenna... Yeah, Jenna yeah. Jameson, she looks fucking terrible. She was also a part of some ECW stuff. I think you're right. Um, did some stuff here. Uh, Joel Gertner, I, right here. I love Joel Gertner, but that, I could have done without this. Like, seriously. Like, what was he, begging for a job or something? Yeah, they, he was doing the whole thing. Oh, Jesus... If, if Bradshaw shoved him any harder, he'd have fell over that guardrail. You yeah. see how short that is? If Bradshaw if Bradshaw pushed him any harder, he would have been fucking dead. <laughs> Fallen over on top of I just don't think Bradshaw there. wants to be in this building. I really didn't. Or maybe he was... Maybe he wanted to be so much in this building that, that he had too much juice in him or whatever. But... 
Well, there's just something wrong with it tonight. Yeah. Well, I, I let me let me go into some research I have here in my notes um, regarding his involvement in uh, on this show. Um, we'll get into the stuff with Blue Meanie in a little bit, but apparently, according to an interview with Tracy Smothers. Um, on the Lords of Pain podcast that I um, that I had uh, that I had, uh, I'd, you know recently done some research on um, him and JBL had a little bit of heat with each other um, from an issue that took place in 1996, but um, Tracy Smothers' account of the backstage atmosphere from his Lords of Pain interview. Um, he goes, there was heat there. We had the hardcore homecoming thing with Shane, Jeremy Borash, Raven. They all put it together. Shane booked me on that. And then Dreamer called me a few days later and booked me on the WWE show and said we could do it. The WWE guys, however, didn't want us there. The brass just didn't. And there was friction that you could just feel. I thought I was cool with John and I heard his radio show a few days before and I put him over and told him it was good he had been drinking all day and he was out by the ring and we were about to do the brawl we started getting bad vibes that they were going to shoot on us we were out by the ring and we did the rehearsal where Matt Morgan great big guy came up and almost punked us someone went is this going to be a shoot I said I don't know man be prepared for anything Morgan goes hey just nut shot me during the brawl and that'll be the way I get out of here he didn't have any problem with us and a lot of them didn't but John is out there talking to the agents and some of the big boys like Tomco. John was kind of drunk and goes, if they get cute, don't hesitate to knock them the fuck out. I jokingly responded, that's cool. Just know it's a two-way street for that. <laughs> that was Tracy Smothers' account of JBL's, um, JBL's uh, uh, situation. Um, you know, his, his demeanor, I should say. Apparently, he had been drinking all day during the show. Um and they could, and they they continued letting those guys drink. They were all drinking beer up there during the show when they brought the raw guys out. Bischoff was out with them yeah, later. Yeah, they let all them fucking guys go out there and drink. So I could only imagine um, how I, fueled up all them were. Like I thought, JBL was a terrific wrestler. I really did, and I I, I liked the stuff that he did with, with the acolytes and whatever, but. For for what I heard, what he did from like the backstage and like all that stuff, being a bully and stuff like that, if I was a promoter, for what he brought to the table compared to like the stress he brought onto like the talent, I'd say pack your bags, Take dude. Hike, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's there's three sides to every story: your version, my version, and the truth. Yeah, and I think there's um, a little bit of truth on all sides, you know, accounted for, especially when it comes to uh, JBL. And um, but to, to take the the poor commentator guy, uh, uh, Mario, that uh, yeah, even him, even that that, that, uh, that this guy's out of control, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know Ronaldo has denied that there was any issues with him and JBL. Um, it could be, you know, it, it could be just the dirt sheets kind of really playing it up because they have issues with JBL. Um, I know that he's been a target for their criticism over the years. Um, like I said. I think there's some truth to all sides, but I'm not saying that I'm not saying JBL's blameless, but I'm not saying that he's not blameless either. You know what I mean? I, I think there's some stuff that might be embellished. Yeah. I heard, you ever heard the story about how um, they were on a trip in uh, Iraq for one of those tribute to the troops, and he got a little mouthy with Joey Styles and mentioned something about not being a real man and something to do with his wife and Styles. No. Styles decked him. 
Styles got off, Styles got up in the middle of the flight. I think it was like either on the plane or like when they had already landed, and uh, he clocked them a few times. No way. Yeah, J- little Joey Styles. It's like it's like urban legend that he like popped him. I find that hard to believe. That, uh, a lot of people have confirmed it though. A lot of people have said that they, when they were there that that's happened. But like I said, there's three sides to every story. Your version, mine, and the truth. But uh, you know that could have happened too though. So, when when you hear stuff like that, it's like uh, it's like Joey Styles. It, it, I'm quite certain that knew that he was not going to hurt him. And JBL punched him once. Yeah, he would have been. Oh, he'd have been dead. Yeah, he'd have been dead. That 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 uh, that uh, the JBL screw would have been over. Because of Joey Styles, whom you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they would have fired him over it. But I mean, if you punch someone on a plane to death, yeah, your career is over. I think. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, imagine Joey Styles. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if JBL fought back. I've heard that Joey Styles like hit him like two or three times. Um, and he didn't knock know. him out, but he was like letting him know, like, "Hey, don't fuck with me. You don't talk about my I, wife." I bet you, if we if we, if we get somehow get a time machine and be in that plane, I bet you he probably he paintbrushed him or something. Maybe, yeah. I can see him do that. Here's RVD with a promo. Yeah, uh, if he wasn't injured, he would definitely would have had a match. Who's the one that came up with the idea to do the reunion show? Here, we'll we'll play the promo because this was probably RVD's best promo. Listen to stand up. Maybe less is more, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're right.
forgot to add how many minutes, but that's okay. He broke his leg or something. I said that. That is how you showcase RVD. I know. I know. I understand. I feel the love. I understand the respect. And that is why we're here tonight. That's why I went to the boss man and said this. Have you ever thought of doing an ECW pay-per-view? He said, Well, actually, I haven't thought of that. I said it would be huge. You gotta do it. All of us ECW guys that were there back in the day, that shared that energy with the ECW fans. Let us go out there the way that we want to be seen. Balls out. We're your toughest guys. Don't worry about any of us getting hurt. We don't even need a storyline. Just one night only. You don't even have to turn the lights on for the whole building because we weren't about that. Let us show you what we were all about. Yeah, and then he liked it. He liked my idea. And the dream became a reality. And the date was set. June 12th, one night stand. ECW, I can't bring it wait. figure for some of the ECW guys that this was the WrestleMania. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. Rhino coming in, spoiling this moment. I, in my opinion, that's probably RVD's best promo ever. Ever. In his entire career. It's pretty good. I mean, there was there was passion. It was organic. It didn't feel um, rehearsed or scripted. Uh, lights out now. We know what that means. Uh for some of you ECW diehards out there watching, um, when when the lights are out and they come back on, Sabu, Sabu in the house. Um, this was interesting. This was an unadvertised match. Okay, um, some interesting elements about this. Number one, Sabu was originally one of those guys that they did not want to call, and Heyman was like, "You gotta have him on the show," and he was a part of that Shane Douglas uh, Raven. Jeremy Borash hardcore homecoming deal the night before in Philadelphia. So this was a surprise. This was like another one of those 11th hour type of deals. Rhino, on the other hand, okay? I don't know if you remember this, but Rhino um, had been suspended and was uh, taking a leave of absence from WWE due to an incident um, that he had with his wife in the hotel lobby WrestleMania weekend. Oh, I he got I into remember, a, yeah. He got into a, a, an altercation with her and he like 
I, I wouldn't say destroyed a hotel lobby, but he damaged some of the stuff in the lobby with this argument. And the company, uh, I think, suspended him and or, uh, just told him to go home and you know take some time or whatever. His contract was running out, and they weren't going to renew it. And so when this show came up, Heyman and Dreamer went to management again and said, no, you got to use Rhino. And they, and they weren't really for the idea because of what took place with him at the, uh, the, the WrestleMania, um, the hotel at WrestleMania weekend that year. And they said no. And then they, I guess Heyman and, um, and Dreamer really pushed hard for it because Rhino was the last ECW champion before the company shut down in 2001. Yeah. So Heyman kind of wanted to give, I guess, Rhino a somewhat of a proper send-off being a part of this show. And that's what we got here with him and Sabu. A first time ever, uh, these two wrestling each other here. So this was one, and this was like another big part of ECW at that time, or at least the original ECW, unadvertised matches were like a thing for their pay-per-views. They would maybe advertise three or four matches and then everything else was like stuff like that's this. That's a good point thrown together, which was like what made ECW very popular. Yeah. Sabu, a guy who destroyed his body and yeah, just look, at, just look at his back. Yeah, destroyed his body yeah. and didn't, you know, I wouldn't say get properly compensated, but an individual who whose style of wrestling I feel was very innovative to a lot of guys. Yeah. And he doesn't get enough credit for it. I wasn't the biggest Sabu guy, but I appreciated, you know, his heart and dedication to doing all the crazy stuff he was doing. Sabu has a weird quality. If you watch, like, two, three matches, uh-huh. you'd think he's, like, one of the most innovative, awesome wrestlers that ever was. When, when he is on. When you consistently watch him, oh, my God. You, he's arguably average at best wrestler. Oh, yeah. Botch after botch after botch after oh, yeah. botch. It's crazy. Yeah, he's... So and I'm not awesome. talking about just botching, but, uh, yeah, when you jump on a chair onto the ropes, right? Yep. You're, you're taking a, a, a lot of balls, a big gamble stuff. I'm talking about regular, I'm talking like, in, you know, arm drags and like some basic wrestling. And he, and he would botch them consistently. Yeah, well, he wasn't doing a lot of that stuff either. And when he did it, like you said, he wasn't very, he wasn't, you know, connecting with him very well. But this here. That nice, uh, you know, like, like we watched the, yeah, that Aurora Corona was beautiful. Yeah. But you, you could tell, like, there wasn't a whole lot, like, like when he did eventually, you know, be a part of WWE and, um, and that, that revived ECW in but, 2006, the following year after this, like, you could see, like, the chinks in the armor. Like, you knew it wasn't going to last very long with him because his, his style was very one dimensional. Um, yeah, when it, he, it was good for this audience, but like the ECW audience, but a WWE audience, it wouldn't have lasted very long. Absolutely, I knew Sabu was in trouble. It wasn't even a Sabu match, but it was like either the first or second episode of the sci-fi ECW. Yep. And someone got hit with a chair, and the ref ding 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 disqualification. I'm like, oh my god, people like Sabu. Yeah. Just incredible. Sandman. Sandman, they're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the revived version that, you know, WWE would eventually put out um, in 2006, the following year, after the second installment of the One Night Stand pay-per-view, was um, is regarded as probably one of the worst reboots 
uh, relaunches in all of history uh, when it comes to wrestling. Um, yeah, these guys. Uh, yeah, they just they took um, the big niche was no rules, anything goes, and they would have. Oh, nice score by Ryan. That was the referee. a nice score. Nice bump too. Yeah, a nice rough bump. That that uh, they maybe would have one. One one match that was extreme rules. Yep. On the on the whole show, you know. Yeah, and, it was pretty stupid. Yeah, it was. but that's the, that's the issue I think the AEW is going to have when it comes to television advertisers. You know what I mean? Um, they're they they have to be able to appeal on a mainstream level, while still at the same time balancing out their balancing out like their identity. You know what I mean? And and separating themselves from WWE. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like you said, like their highest, you know, their goals that they need to set for themselves. And we don't know what their goals are. But like, you know, learning from everyone else's mistakes and being who you are and being different than everyone else is what's going to make them successful. Okay? And I think that they're on the path to that. I mean, it's still early, but that's, I think, the main goal, is learning from everyone else's mistakes, not trying to be something else, you know, or a rehash of something else here. Um, but, yeah, the, the what was what made ECW popular was that no disqualification aspect like we're seeing here with this Arabian face buster <laughs> through the table to Rhino, and this is pretty much how he was written off. Um you know, WWE was with this this uh, match here against um, Sabu and he, in the ECW One Night Stand 2005. The victor is Sabu yep. with that Arabian face buster through the table. Crowd popped pretty big for it. RVD, a little help there. Um, it was after this event, um, according to some research I'm doing here, that WWE was considering running some ECW house shows. To kind of test out if the brand was going to be popular on a um, uh, on a mainstream level. I think that would have been a better idea than even um, having their TV. Weekly, yeah, really. Yeah, if you had like their house shows, you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, there was even talk of doing an ECW angle on SmackDown to breathe some life into the show and replacing Sunday Night Heat with ECW, incorporating ECW talent and the philosophy into the current WWE programming while making some money on the 24-7 channel before it was the network and the, the DVDs as well as other mm-hmm. merchandise. Um, here's an interesting scenario here. Um, according to Dave Meltzer and other internet rumors... The revival of ECW's brand that was initially taking place in 2001 during the Invasion Angle. Um, the original plan was for Vince and Linda McMahon to be divorced with the, in the storylines, with Raw becoming WCW as part of the settlement and SmackDown becoming the WWF. Plans changed several times, particularly when Booker T versus Buff Bagwell's title match on Raw was booed out of the building in Tacoma, Washington. The plan at that time was for Bischoff to come in, lose to Vince at the Invasion pay-per-view, and hotshot the Angle. Then when that fell through, ECW was revived with Stephanie McMahon as the owner and Paul Heyman as a spokesman. This helped make Invasion the most successful non-WrestleMania pay-per-view in history. Yet at Survivor Series in November 2001, the ECW-WCW team lost a match, which in storyline terms ended the alliance forever. Hmm. Yeah. Here goes Al Snow. This was one of my favorite gimmicks. 
Yeah, this saved his career, I feel like, because he was not doing much with... Oh, yeah. The, Leaf the, Cassidy. Yeah, Leaf yeah. Avatar. <laughs> he was the Avatar? He was Avatar, yeah. Okay. That was brief. But, um... Some more ECW highlights from the glory day. You see the the, the foam heads. Yeah. Al Snow. That was a that was a big deal during that time period. While unsaid on TV or WWE.com within the storylines, the unwritten conclusion was that Vince eventually bought up all of WCW and ECW's assets, including tapes used in the 24-7 and the rights to run a pay-per-view such as One Night Stand. Outside of the storylines, Rob Van Dam approached Vince with the pay-per-view idea, with Vince eventually letting Heyman have the reins over booking the event. McMahon obviously had the final say, of course. That's just some, uh, some, some rumor and innuendo I'm reading on here. Um, I'm just having a lot of like what ifs in my mind, like Sunday Night Heat instead of East, like ECW said Sunday Night Heat. That would have been really cool. But would but would it have been the same stuff we saw on Sci-Fi, or do you think that they would have let them push the envelope a little more? That's what I don't know. It's, it's, it's like uh, like the Invasion what, was like 2001, 2002, 2001. They were still very risky. I think it would have been like the like. I, and not to the extreme, like, 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 like no pun intended, but uh, not the extreme that, that, that it was back in 99, but that, that uh, it would have been tenfold better than, than what sci-fi did. I, at, least, at least I would hope so. Yeah, I, I, I would hope so, too. Um, here's another interesting tidbit. Joey Styles was brought in with help um, and convincing from Jim Ross. Um to do this, to, to work this show. Apparently, Styles had some grudges with Paul Heyman after the closing of ECW. Maybe he was owed money. Um, but after uh, they he agreed to do this event, he signed a two-year deal with the company to work on some ECW-related projects, probably some DVD and some voiceovers for the, uh, the, the 24-7 channel, um, which was interesting. Makes, oh, uh, and here we are. Yeah. The Raw crew. Of course, they had to bring Bishop. But he's a heat magnet, though. Like, how could you not? Like, he was like... to. Tommy Dreamer said it best on the ECW documentary on the, on the WWE Network. Paul Heyman painted Eric Bischoff as, like, the Taliban. Like, if you went to WCW, you were joining the Taliban, you know? <laughs> and so. and that's, that's the... That was that us-versus-them mentality that Paul Heyman... Um, portrayed to the audience when it came to getting the ECW fans behind him. Someone just spit yeah. beard him. Yeah, spit, not through, spit. spit. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but you know what? The Bischoff thrives on that kind of stuff. Like he's one of those guys that like he'll 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 take a bullet. He'll die on that grenade, and if yeah. it's gonna make if it's gonna make the show look good, you know what I mean? Um, here's something interesting that I didn't know um, until I had done my research. Um, We'll see him later on in the program, but this is this pertains to Bischoff. The original plan for Mike Awesome was for him to come in with Eric Bischoff as his manager to play off the real-life heat Awesome had with ECW fans and talent for leaving the company for WCW well before the planned RVD Awesome title feud was set to get underway in 2000. That would have been good. Mike Awesome is, as, as Bischoff's manager, or yeah. Bischoff, Bischoff managing Mike Awesome at this time? Yeah. That would have been really fucking cool. That would have been cool. I'd have dug that. Like the smart wrestler would have, oh my god, yeah, he would have, the smart wrestler in that building would have lost his mind. 
We talked about a little bit um, Rob Conway. <laughs> Interesting. The coach. In that mix, there's uh, Gene Snitsky. I I always been... Uh, and nowadays he's gone. I, 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 I'm openly admit that I was a huge fan of his work. Snitsky? I loved Snitsky. I really did. He was... Uh, he cracked me up. He really did. That, you remember that, when that, he kicked the baby? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah he cracked me he up. He kicked the baby. I mean, it was a doll. It was a doll, but he kicked the... He yeah. punted the baby into, like, the front row. <laughs> and the whole... Uh, the whole... It wasn't they, my they, fault? Yeah. Oh, my God. Taking no kind of... Oh, my God. See, amazing. I didn't know that he was, at the time, like, he was working for them. Like, he was in their developmental system. I thought he was just, like, a random job guy they were going to do something with for a couple of weeks. When they did that stuff, oh, with was him he and Kane. But he was a part of their developmental territory. Okay. I didn't realize that at the time. I was like, "Why are they letting this job? Why are they giving this job guy, you know, TV time week after week?" William Regal. Yeah. He'd have been another good heel in ECW in the original ECW. I would. I put. <clears throat> I put William Regal on my very very short list as the best wrestler that never won the big one. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree with you. Um. Yeah, he could. I I think he could have. I don't think he would have had a long run with the title, but I think he could have been a good transitional champion. Of course, the biggest, maybe a month or two at best. The biggest is one if was uh, when he when he won King in the Ring and what did he, what happened? He hurt himself or he did something stupid? They did I think I, th- I think he I think he failed the drug test yeah, under their wellness policy, yeah. and that was the end of that. Um. Yeah, and he and from what I understand, he was still pretty clean at the time in terms of like abusing prescription drugs. But I think like he um, he had too many amounts of a certain medication that fell under their drug testing bylaws and um, like the levels, like because they do they do almost like Olympic style drug testing levels. Yeah. You know what I mean? They have like you know their their, their drug program. From what I understand, is. Uh, it, by the way, it's pretty you know on the up and up. I do know the, the backstory of this match. Eddie Guerrero walking to the ring with that expression wasn't because he was a heel at the time, because he was fucking furious that he wasn't going over tonight. I he, heard about that. He did not want Benoit to go over. I did hear about that. Yeah, um, I've heard that story before because yeah. he was in the middle of that hot angle with Rey Mysterio, if you remember that when they did the. Um, when they broke up and Eddie couldn't beat Ray, and then they turned it into the the, the storyline with the kid, where Eddie was the real father. You remember all that yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of you have Dominic, yeah. Dominic, you're mm-hmm. my, I'm your puppy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they did all that crazy shit. Yeah, I've I've heard that before. I don't know how true all that is, but I've yeah. heard that before too. I don't know just the way he comes down with that look, like, like fuck this. He has that fucking that 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 walking down because I'm a heel and I hate everybody. This was like fuck this, fuck the show. I want to get out of here. Yeah, I've heard some. I, I, uh, I, I've heard that these two did not like this match. That it wasn't their best outing together. And it's and I certainly would agree. I don't think this was their best match. Um, they had some great classics in WCW. Um, one match that you do got to go out of your way to watch that was really good um, was in 2003 at Vengeance. Uh, it was the finals of the United States title tournament. And it was Benoit and Guerrero. They opened up the card. They had an awesome match yeah. until fucking Rhino came in and fucked that all up. But they had an awesome match. Go out of your way to watch that. It's on the WWE Network. Vengeance 2003. Eddie and Benoit. No card. What was the main event of that? 
Angle, Brock, and Big Show for the belt. And yeah, that threat. was a good show. That was a good show. Yeah. That was like the that was the first um, SmackDown exclusive brand only pay per view. That was like one of the best like of like the single brand pay per views. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now they've gone back to. It was weird, like, but like when when they and I and then once again we're doing three sixty. That 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 uh, it was weird that that uh, like like when the when when they did the one brand pay per views, Raw felt important, but the matches were shit. But SmackDown had good matches, but they didn't feel important. Yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a great point. You're exactly right. SmackDown had the better. SmackDown was the better wrestling show than Raw was at that time, even in two thousand and five. Um, you know, this was, and this is weird. This is an interesting time too because what we see today currently, you know, the brand split is pretty much a fucking joke now. They got that stupid wild card rule. Oh, absolutely. They allow guys to swap brands on a weekly basis. They can't even keep track. I can't. It's hard for me to keep track you, you, uh, of who's on what show. I mean, you got it in the group text with Justin. This wild card rule is a fucking disaster, yeah. in my opinion. You don't know who's where, and you know it, it doesn't even matter anymore. Um, there's too many. There's like 18 championships. Everyone's got a fucking belt, um, but a Raw person can challenge a SmackDown person for the title. It's like it's fucking stupid. Like they, they they have a hard time like sticking to something when they when they when they 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 go with it. You know what I mean? Like they don't see things through. If they don't get instant results, it's like okay, we're gonna go back to the drawing board. Like I don't know. I just feel like if they properly built up guys. They could maybe make each brand seem important and stick with a brand extension, but everyone they they intermingled like they never they never really like follow through with like a real brand extension. Yeah. Even going back to two thousand and two, like they they never really had like how do I put it? Um, there was no consistency or continuity with the brand extension even in two thousand and two. Guys are still showing up on other shows. You know, if you were a Raw guy, you might find your way on SmackDown over some stupid loophole. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, they they didn't keep up with it. And I think that it's because they didn't um, properly build up some talent to be um, part of the, um, they didn't properly build up the talent to to be big mainstays at the time. I'm kind of losing my train of thought yeah, here as I'm right. watching this match. But, like, you know, they weren't... They, each brand would work on like two or three guys and then they would have to rely on other guys to like swap brands from time to time. And like I said, then a guy would just show up and be like, well, how did he get to be on SmackDown when he was originally on Raw? They wouldn't like just give you an explanation. It was just, I don't think the brand extension has been as effective as it could be dating all the way back to 2002 when, right. when it first started. I totally agree. This here in 2005, I don't know if you remember this, Dennis, but... Nowadays, they have what they call the superstar shakeup, which is fucking stupid. It's just another tagline that they need to market and promote. But this, in 2005, during this time period, WWE programming Raw and SmackDown was doing a draft lottery where each episode of Raw and SmackDown, they would pick a new guy. So the first draft lottery pick was, I think it was John Cena. John Cena was drafted to Raw, and you only got one pick each show. So they were picking the big names to go on each brand. SmackDown would get Batista, and they would they they dragged out this draft process for like a month or two, which I thought was an interesting way to 
to, to garner interest in each program. And I thought at the end of it, Raw and SmackDown were equal in some ways when it came to talent. And they had a good level of star power, a good mixture of young guys and uh, established guys. And I thought they had a good mixture of each roster, had a good mixture of core, you know, a, a core group of guys, you know, Raw, both Raw and SmackDown respectively. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've never really 100% been behind the brand extension because I feel like it just doesn't, they, they don't really go, like, go hard, follow through with it, you know? This is, those guys explain this to me. Okay. I don't know how many times in a row it has been now, but Roman Reigns is a SmackDown guy, yeah? He's been on Raw every week since. As, exactly. He's been, he opened the show. Yeah. What, three weeks in a row? Four weeks Something in like a row? Something like that, yeah. I don't know. But that this whole thing is stupid to me. Oh, to I just, agree. To just, just unify both brands or whatever. It's have good matches. Well, the problem is they have too many guys. They have too many guys on their roster, you know? Way too many guys. Um, and I'm not saying this will never happen, but the likelihood of this happening in recent in, in, in the next few years, I don't think um, is something WWE would, would entertain. But if you have all these guys and you, you don't do a brand split... But you rotate guys in and out and give more guys time off, almost like you have like, like an A group and a B group, and for X amount of months, these guys work, and then you cycle them out and put a different batch of guys, a good mixture of talent. Like you give some guys, I guess you could call it an off season or off time, where you give guys like two or three months off or whatever, just to kind of heal their bodies up. But I don't think WWE would ever do that because then they would. Then they would go back to the well. It's like, well, business is down. Yeah, Roman's off for two months, but we got to give him a call because we're going to need him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they won't do that because they'll go back to that well again. Um, like I said, if they just properly built up guys instead of using the same core group of guys, I think that a brand split could work. You just got to, it's, it's going to take time. But, you know, wrestling in some cases is a right now kind of business. I don't think this will necessarily work. But I, I always thought it'd be intriguing if, if like, uh, they did, like you mentioned, like, seasons, but almost to the extreme. Like, you know, every football season, you know, you got your champion, and then, boom, done. And then, like, the, a little bit of a grace period or whatever. It, that, uh, it, that, uh, what would you think of, like, a seasonal championship? You know what I mean? A uh, seasonal championship. How would that work? I don't know. That, 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 that uh... I, I just always thought so that for instance, like let's wrestling... say if like someone wins the title at WrestleMania and then they do their they do their like they do a little mini off season and then that person's not the champion anymore yeah, and yeah, then they, they crown they, a champion it, it, again. And it just organically just resets like in like in like a regular sport or whatever. I know in boxing I've never heard of, I've never heard of anybody come up with that idea, but that's I think I think there's I think there's some room to, to wiggle. There's some wiggle room with it to kind of like mess with and tweak with a little bit. And maybe you could, maybe, maybe if you, if you, if you do some brainstorming, you think about it, maybe you could find a way to work, you know, but that's not a bad idea. I just don't know. How do you keep everything fresh? You know, I think that's what, at least for me, my biggest complaint is like, like what I love about the Firefire Funhouse. It's so new and yeah. so fresh. Yep. And it's so unique. Yeah. Bray Wyatt's get. Bray, he hasn't like, even been in the ring yet. And it's it's, it's and like it's a new a character already. Yeah. You know what I mean, I love it. 
how do you keep like it so fresh and they I think the easiest way to keep things fresh is always reset it organically. You know? I yeah. I, I agree with you there. I do think that um when it comes to today's current WWE product, I think it's a combination of things to keep it fresh. Number one, fresh matchups, not the same old matchups. Um, some continuity in stories and stories and properly um, proper character development. You know, um, give me a reason why I should care about this person or that exactly. person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for instance, just an art, just to argue, even though I don't really care for this individual, Titus O'Neil. You know, you put him on TV for a little while, mm-hmm. and you had him with Apollo Cruz, and they were and. They weren't really doing a whole lot with him and Cruz. Give me a reason to care about those two guys as a tag team. What's the reason? What are these What are these guys about? What's the emotional attachment that their characters have with an audience? You're just throwing two guys out there, putting them together to see if the audience is going to react to them. You know? Like, when he was doing the Titus Worldwide, and he was, like, mentoring, like, the Akiro Tozawa, mm-hmm. I thought that was decent stuff. Yeah. Like, Titus in, like, a speaking role as a personality, I think... There's some room there. There's some. There's some. There's legs to it. Him as a wrestler, it's not really connecting with me. I, you know, and I think the the, the slip up when he dove through. Yeah. Oh, the, the at the at the, the Saudi Arabia show last yeah. year. I think you could have really capitalized yeah. on that. With that him. could have been. That was a shockmaster moment. Yeah, absolutely. That could have been the 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 um. I definitely could have been the juice in the arm that he needed. That that uh. And like somehow, if he was a good enough wrestler to figure to figure it out that uh, like hey, like have a new finisher where it's like almost like a fuck up, like a slip of banana type of finisher, yeah. uh, he would have been over. So I don't know. I thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened to him was the slip at Saudi Arabia, and they didn't do anything. Yeah, about they it. Didn't it made a T-shirt, but it didn't really. Yeah, yeah. Um, solid yeah. match here. Not the best outing between these yeah. two. Benoit just picked up the victory. Um, Right here, you see JBL and Orlando Jordan yeah. praising Benoit and Guerrero, the the athletic display. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that story, Dennis. You brought up at the beginning of this match about these two, um, not uh, yeah, Guerrero specifically, not wanting. to. I think the way he looks at him too. It's like you're supposed to be my brother. I come. You could have just said, "Yeah, I have Eddie go over tonight." Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but back at back at it again Joel is uh, Gertner, the Joel Gertner. The wrong side. Yeah, with Eric Bischoff, you see Regal, Coach, you see Coach's arm behind Eric Bischoff's chair. Yep, asking him for a job. I think this is the part where he where he, he basically Wait. wants to ask him for a job. We can put the audio on for this one. Okay. It's the question that's on the minds of everyone here at the Hammerstein Ballroom. So, on behalf of every ECW fan, every ECW superstar, I have to ask you, can I please have a job? (laughs) Please? Please be gainfully employed by you. Please. <laughs> I, I can announce. I can get you coffee. I, I'll do anything you ask. Please. I got. I got. Hold this. Hold this. Hold this. 
<laughs> let me let me think about that for just a second. What a snore. He's got a VHS tape. He's Maven. I forgot he was part of this. Hell no, I won't hire you! <laughs> You're nothing but a scam! A wannabe! A piece of garbage like everybody else I see! Such a great heel. I love this yeah. And the general manager of the most prestigious sports entertainment company on the friggin' planet! Monday Night Raw! did serve Eric Bischoff. He's actually a really nice guy in real life. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, I got to meet him uh, that same later that night. You you served him at the hotel, and then I went to go meet him at the the the, the speaking engagement with him and uh, Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love his podcast. He if you ever listen, he's he's a very smart guy, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for um, his. Uh, his contributions to wrestling. Oh, here, you got to listen to Joey Styles' commentary in this. This is crazy. I'll play the audio for this. This is the match of the night, too, by far. Yeah. I think by far the match of the night. That was fun to art. I really believe that too. 
I don't think that was a work. I think that was from. Oh Hunter. no! I heard. I heard that was legit. I heard that was a shoot. Um, with uh, with with Styles' commentary towards Awesome. I've heard different stories regarding the Awesome situation where he went to WCW. I heard that. Um, I heard it was a combination of things. I heard that he wasn't paid on time, um, and there were some issues. And I also heard that he didn't really have a legally binding contract. He kind of had a handshake agreement with Paul Heyman. And um, I, I, I mean, depends on who you speak with, but yeah, um, yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of um, controversy surrounding his exit from uh, the original ECW to WCW. Um, yeah, and and Styles is right. They had they, Paul Heyman filed a federal injunction to prevent Mike Awesome and WCW from throwing the title belt down um, on an episode of Nitro, uh, which was uh, which was the night when he attacked Kevin Nash. They did like that Vince Russo Eric Bischoff um, uh, relaunch, which we actually did a watch party on uh, over in the archives over Ooh. at. Uh, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as SoundCloud.com. The Nitro Watch Party from April 10th, 2000. Um, it's unfortunate. Mike Awesome, I felt like, um, could have been a bigger star in the United States. His his style with, you know, being a, a guy of his size, moving around the way he did, flying around. Like, I, I, th- I, th- I think there was an appeal um, from a lot of fans I'm just to stunned. see that. I'm just stunned after this match, right? I was thinking about this, like you know, you had all those other, you had all all these guys from 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 this pay per view who had fruitful WWE careers. I don't get why these. This was like a one off for the WWE. This this could have this would have been my job interview for WWE for for either. Jesus guys. Christ! Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Look at that! Holy shit! Like, how did WWE let those two guys walk out the door? Well, I mean, that's... All right. It goes without saying. That style of wrestling isn't... It it appeals to a niche audience. You know, to a casual WWE fan. Especially at that time in 2005. How long is that going to last? That's similar to Sabu. You know what I mean? Like... I, I, I think these guys could could, could wrestle. I really do. uh, I'm not saying they couldn't, but... Like I said, I think there were I think there was an appeal for Mike Awesome, his style of wrestling, but at the same time, all that hardcore shit, it only taken it would only would have taken him so far in WWE. I don't know. I think Mike Awesome especially had he had look, he had he had a good wrestling moveset. Then uh, I just didn't get I I just didn't, I just don't get how did he let, let these two guys walk, go out the door? I think he did have a fair amount of heat with I, let's put it this way. You know how they always say that Vince McMahon will do what's best for business? Yeah. You know what I mean? He'll put grudges aside. I think Paul Heyman did the same thing by 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 uh, contacting I, Mike Austin. Awesome. I totally forgot about that. But was Paul Heyman the, the, the executive producer of uh, SmackDown, right? He was he was a writer at one point for them. Not during this time period. Um, I think Paul Heyman was actually working um, down in Ohio Valley Wrestling okay. uh, with Jim Cornette. Um Imagine that 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 combination. But um, <laughs> the uh, I believe it was Heyman that Heyman and Dreamer that reached out to Awesome to do this show. Um, but I think it was one of those situations where like Paul recognized Awesome's contribution to wrestling. Jesus Christ! With another wicked chair shot. Um, and I don't. I I think he kind of put their issues aside to put him on the show because he was trying to deliver the best 
possible ECW product that he was allowed to do uh, with under Vince McMahon's, you know, umbrella. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think I think it was one of those deals where it was like, you know, this was this was his swan song, so to speak. Like he knew that he wasn't. This was it for him, at least in the United States. Um, and unfortunately, I think not too long after this, maybe a year or two, a couple of years, he uh, he fortunately uh, committed suicide. Yeah. Uh, no longer with us. God damn, Jesus, Tanaka here. Didn't he? Was there a note or anything? Did we ever find out why uh, Austin took his life? I think part of it had to do with the fact he wasn't really doing anything in wrestling. Okay. I could be mistaken, but I think part of it was, you know, he, he didn't have a job. I bet he could have gone to Japan or something. They loved him over there. Um, he burned bridges over there, too? There's a ch- I don't <laughs> know for sure, but there's a chance he might have burned a bridge over there as well. I could be mistaken. Yeah, because what was that? Um, I used to get those DVDs. Um, FCW or something? F, uh, FMW. Yeah, uh, FMW. Fr- Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he, that's he, where he, him and Masato Tanaka had their wars. Like, that's they go, what I mean, They yeah. go back all the way to Japan, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 his, his best matches were definitely in that promotion. Yeah. That, uh, bam. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> Protected top of the rope chair shot. Yeah. When we find out that Masato Tanaka suffers from CTE, go back and watch this match and all the other matches he had with Mike Awesome. You'll find out why. Holy shit. That's really not sad to me. I'm just saying, if, if, that, if oh, that day okay. comes. I'm not yeah, saying, okay. I, I don't know for sure. I believe he's still making appearances here and there on the indie circuit. I don't think he's... um. He's uh he's a you know full time anymore. Oh, I love Tanaka. I really did. could be mistaken. That elbow too. That, that the roaring elbow. elbow. Oh, Jesus, so good. Mike Austin just threw the table and hit um the timekeeper there, Mark Eaton. Oh Jesus, because the table broke. Talking about um when we went to uh, uh Money in the Bank. Uh, did you ever see the replay of uh, Brock Lesnar like ramming the the the, uh, the ladder, the ladder the cameraman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I look like that hurt. That's another. I, fucking, I miss that. That's another Oof. fucking guy that, that that can get pretty dangerous. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story about um, when I met uh, Bubba Ray Dudley? No. So um, there's a group of friends I used to be friends with at one time, and um, Velvet Sky from Impact Wrestling TNA. She's now with Ring of Honor. She was a part yeah. of that. Group of friends. They're married, right? They're together. Okay. As far as I know. And so uh I went to a barbecue at um this friend's house at one and we're not friends anymore. That's a whole other story too in and of itself. And uh to kick out. Jesus Christ, yeah. talk about no selling. Um JBL is enjoying himself. Yeah, he's having a great time. Um and so I met him and you know, I'm I'm a fan, so I was you know I wanted to talk wrestling. He didn't really want to, um, to discuss wrestling. He was kind of very short with his answers. Kind of kept to himself. And I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrestles all the time. You know, do you want to talk about your fucking job all the time? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. So I get it. I you know my rule. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, that uh, outside of work, I'll give somebody five minutes to talk about <laughs> uh, about, about my industry, and then it's over. God damn! Look at that. Oh my yeah. goodness! I'm surprised he didn't fucking get impaled with that table. Oh, JBL's losing back his mind. Back of the head. Um, so anyhow, I, I I meet Bubba. Um, 
not a mean guy, but he's very kind of keeps to himself. I, part of me also thinks too because he's very old school um, that like he kind of stays in character a little mm-hmm. bit, even with some you know outsiders in the business of the business, I should say. And so, um, uh, Velvet was talking about something wrestling related, and um, my wife watches with me from time to time, and. Uh, when Brock's on, sometimes Brock can be pretty da- he could be pretty dangerous. Not yeah. saying that he's careless, but like sometimes he looks like he's reckless with guys. You know what I mean? I'm not saying accusing Brock of being unsafe, but the way Brock um, performs, sometimes when he does stuff, it looks like he's really hurting someone. That he's really reckless, like the way he suplexes guys. You know, he folds some guys in half sometimes, especially if they're smaller. So my wife said in the conversation, we were talking about someone being reckless or careless yeah. on TV. And my wife said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, Brock looks like he can be reckless at times. Oh, here it is. Boom. <laughs> so good. And this match is still not over because they've gone through like eight tables now. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three. three. Finally, yeah. match is over. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um... And so, Bubba, who's, you know, worked with Brock and he's in the business, he looks at my wife and, like, very, like, aggressively is like, what did you just say? Do you even know what the hell you're talking about? And he got, and, like, he scared her. And I remember Velvet kind of had to step in and was like, she's not in the business. She doesn't understand. You know, she was... She called him, she referred to him by his name, Mark. She was like, Mark, you know, just take it easy. And I even said something to him. I was like, hey, dude, like, she's not like, she's just saying that it looks, it appears like he can be wrecked. Jesus Christ, speaking of reckless, he almost dropped the fucking referee (laughs) on his head. Um, Yeah. All all she said was that, like, he, he can appear to be reckless and careless the way he throws guys around. And... That's not an egregious statement to make. I don't think so. You know? But he, on the other hand, didn't really uh, really care for that. So he kind of got, got a little aggressive. And I just said to him, like, hey, man, relax. Like, it's just an opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's no different than, like, you know, us talking sports and never playing the sport professionally and having an opinion like most sports fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know? How many how many movies have you watched and seen that you said you didn't like this or you could have done this better or this could have been portrayed better? You know what I mean? It's no different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he kind of gave me like a like an evil eye, like a hairy look, and then like didn't really say much to me. And then like like a few minutes later, I like think she, like she pulled him aside and basically said like you know Apologize said something said something to him like hey like you know chill out you know that's my friend yeah and. Then he, like, started making small talk with me. Like, that's the most I ever spoke with him. Like, talking about, like, at the time my wife and I were engaged. Yeah. So when you get married and all this other stuff. And um, then he was was a a lot more pleasant to be around. And then, you know, asking about my stepson. And we were telling, you know, talking about him or whatever for Mm -hmm. a brief bit of time. And, you know, that was my my interaction with him um, at a, a, we were watching, I think we were at someone's house for, like, a barbecue or a UFC fight or something. Um, I forget here, but yeah, that was my, that was my interaction with him. So that was basically just, you know, saying that like, Hey, like, you know, he's, he wasn't the friendliest to be around, but, um, 
I'm re- and I'm really stunned to hear that because like, 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 especially when he was in ECW, he seemed like the blue collar. Like, 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 yeah, when he was a heel, he would get the crowd riled up. But outside of work, yeah, let's grab beers and have fun. He's like that type of guy. Huh? I sh- I'm sure he is. I don't know. I, I have a buddy of mine. I don't know if he talks like that to people like at a barbecue. Get your head a shake. Yeah, um, I'll it? say this. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not really friends with those group of friends anymore. Um, that's a whole nother story in and of itself uh, that, you know, I won't get into. But um, I wouldn't say he was mean and nasty, but he took offense to what was said. And um, that that uh, that was my, like I said, my only interaction with him. But yeah. I, I have a friend of mine, good buddy of mine, who still hangs out. Uh, with that group of people and he's uh he's hung out with him before and he says he's a pretty cool guy to hang out with you know i would say laid back um blue collar like you described um very much like this audience here that is uh praising paul Heyman. um as we're about to get the the shoot promo of the year um from mr paul Heyman. Regarding See, I thought, I really thought, so at, at first, but then you talked to the WWE guys, and I'm like, nope, checked out. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, l- l- let's take a listen to uh, what Mr. Heyman uh, has to say.
The next one, Edge, right? Yeah, I forget. An yeah. Edge reaction. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, I think this is it. Find your wives, it's Edge! Oh, he spits his beer or whatever. So stupid. I think they were doing it in like a very tongue-in-cheek manner. Like, I don't think it was meant to for them to react like... They were shocked at what he was saying. I know nobody with a written promo has the balls to say this to you, but I have two words for you. Matt freaking Hardy! It's actually three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This could have been This could have been absolutely amazing And then Why are you Why, yeah. like, why are you following them? Some of the shots weren't, but like the JBL one was a pretty decent shot. But the the Matt Hardy stuff, I, for that time, it was pretty shocking because they didn't do stuff like that. Yeah. So they, you know, like I said, Vince allowed pretty much Heyman to pretty much run this whole show. Um, I would have just left it with the fans. Talk, thank everybody the for bringing it back. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it also embodied that ECW free spirit that you know anti-establishment us versus them kind of mentality you know what i mean that was what paul Heyman portrayed that company as um yeah you know during the heyday i just think it would have been more powerful they didn't talk about him at all and then maybe just at the very end you know saluting bowing you know blowing kisses to the fans and then looks up to the wwe guys does the double double bird the double bird and just head heads out yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't mind it. 
I, I think it was a nice little touch. You knew that WWE was going to put their hands on it somehow. Yeah, I just wish they didn't. Yeah. But, you know, that was... Oh, um, that's your boy Bubba. Yeah, there we were just talking about him, yeah. <laughs> and listen, I got nothing against the guy. Like I said, it wasn't the most pleasant interaction. But, you know something? Like, he wasn't a, a, a piece of shit yeah. to me and my wife. Like he didn't know. come. He didn't come right out and apologize and be like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry. I kind of, you know, stepped over the line." But he, his way of apologizing was, you know, I'll be nicer to them. <laughs> and you know, like I said, that was my one interaction with him. Um, I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life. I mean, I've heard some stories that people don't really care for him because he's, um, you know, the, the way he's treated other fans before. You heard that story recently about the. The issue with him and the fan at the Ring of Honor show. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he says something about something about his wife that he took him like backstage or something, right? I guess like this one fan was sitting front row and he was kind of getting into. The, he claims this one fan claims that he was just you know being a normal fan heckling and um, but these the the girls Velvet Sky Angelina Love and uh, I would think it was Mandy Leone mm-hmm. um, they said that he was vulgar with some, you know, very inappropriate things. Um, and allegedly, um, you know, security brought this fan back. And then that's when he was approached by Bubba and Bubba just basically told him like, Hey, you, you know, be a fan. Don't, don't, don't disrespect the girls. You're going to treat them with respect. Uh, this, that, and the other. Um, I highly doubt that security went to Bubba and said, hey, do you want to go handle this? I'm sure Bubba caught wind of this and said to them, hey, guys, you mind me, you know, uh, taking a stab at this? You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't picture security being like, oh, well, we're just going to get the the boyfriend of the girlfriend to yeah. come deal with this. Like, we'll let him do our job. <laughs> like, I'm sure that, like I said, three versions of every story. Your version, my version, yeah. and the truth. I'm sure that there's a little bit of truth in everyone's side to the situation. Because, I, you think he actually would have the goal to grab a guy's shirt or something in the back? I don't think he grabbed... From what I heard, I don't think he grabbed the guy. It sounded like he was trying to talk to him like he was I think like a like, old kid. I think, I think he did intimidate him a little bit. He's been known to do that. I mean, he kind of did it to my wife and I. Yeah, I'm just um, saying, I would have won a fist fight with Bubba. Oh, no, no I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so either. Um, yeah, but... Um, Oh, yeah, Tommy Dreamer, saluting everyone's number one. Um, we're going to listen to the, 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 the Sandman entrance because uh, um, even though it's not the original um, Enter Sandman from Metallica, it's supposed to be, um, yeah, we'll, we'll play it right now. See, don't, they don't play the, the Metallica version on the network, but... This is what we'll get here. We'll play it for those of you. This is Tommy Dreamer's last hurrah. Did he actually play the Metallica one for the original event? The live event, yeah. Vince paid the money to, 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 to license it for one night. This is the main event? Yep. Yeah, I'm just thinking, who's left? I'm like, this has got to be the main event. Yeah. The is open. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lunatic hit himself in the head with a kendo stick. 
All right, I, it, you, you got the idea. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the original, but it was... Um, I would argue that's the best entrance in wrestling history. Better than Undertaker? You're right. The, the, Undertaker uh, right now, even though at his age, his skill in the ring is limited because of his injuries and because of his age, his entrance still gets you pumped for his appearance. Yeah. He's one of those kind of guys where, yeah, he wasn't on the card for WrestleMania this year, but if he came out and just did his entrance and did one quick little thing, everyone, everyone yeah, would have been cool with it. Yeah, like, you're right. He didn't need to have a story with him. Yeah, he could just do go his entrance, say, say three sentences, and walk back to stage, yeah. and I was like, my night's complete. I, yeah. I, I kind of agree with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, at the time of this recording, probably in a few short hours couple hours we're gonna have the uh the, the the saudi arabian show by the time this airs it'll already have happened that super showdown yeah. he's scheduled for the match with goldberg um which i'm sure i'll check out at some point by the time this is aired i'll probably have watched it already uh but um it'll be a cool sight to see you know just him in the ring with goldberg in an official match even though it's probably 20 years too late um yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have a problem when Undertaker makes an appearance. The entrance, the entrance, still gets me jazzed up for him, um, even though the the, the in ring work isn't the greatest anymore. Um, still gets me jazzed up, but I, I think Undertaker's got the best entrance in, in all of wrestling. But like I said earlier, Sandman, he's top five, without a doubt. He's in there. Look at that crowd; they just went fucking yeah. bullshit for him, you know. And we, we played a little bit of it with that generic, you know, dubbed over audio over the original Metallica uh, Enter Sandman song, but. Toasting with there, you see him. C.W. Anderson, Chris Chetty. There, I think that's his wife, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's this old lady right there. There you go, yeah. Get all up in there. Get up in them titties, boy. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and that is, you remember Electra? I do, yeah. She was a part of that little group. She was a with, porn star or something, wasn't uh, she? She might have been, yeah. She mm-hmm. she might have She might have made a living, you know, in that form of, in that line of work. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I don't want to, you know, label her as a, as a porn star. She looks like one. I'll give her that, but I don't want to label her as, you know. That's what she did for a living, because who knows if she listens to this podcast. Probably not, but I don't want to... I mean, like, like, like Sandman staring down like JBL, right? Yep. I just don't get the point. Like, like there's no build... There's, like, no match that came out. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> want to hear a funny story? Absolutely. So, um, that one year I went to WrestleMania in Detroit, I went to the... Um, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, go to some of the, the, the gatherings that the, the company had um, with through uh, my friendship with uh, Shane Helms, the Hurricane. And I, I went to two of them. First night I went, they, they had drinks at the hotel bar. Um, um, and, uh, after they, after the, the Condemned, the movie premiere with Steve Austin. Remember the Condemned movie that he did with WWE Studios? Yeah, um, for for the people who liked the movie Condemned, I beg you, watch this movie called Battle Royale. It's a Japanese movie with English subtitles. 
They stole that. They, they, they stole it, really? Them oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Look, look, watch Battle, Battle Royale. Royale. All right. Oh, it's an amazing movie. And, like, the cadet was okay, I guess. Could, uh, Battle Royale, amazing stuff. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, no, no, I, no, I no. No, no I appreciate it. No, I, I, <laughs> yep. dude, no problem at all. Um, and so, at the time, JBL was on commentary for SmackDown. And so, I, and I said to, so Shane said to me, when I got there, you know, there was a lot of people there in the bar. Steve Austin, um, the, the the Samoan family, like Afa and all them people. They were like a who's who. Matt Hardy, Miz. Um, God, I can't, you know, the list goes on and on. So anyhow, um, there's like a small circle of people with like um, JBL and Finley and uh, a few other guys. I think like Mr. Anderson, Ken Kennedy. Um, so Shane just said like... Um, if there's anybody you want to meet, let me know. Um, you know, if you happen to approach someone, talk to someone, you know, you just tell them who you're friends with. Everybody knows me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool with everyone. I don't really have any heat with anyone. So, um, <clears throat> I was standing in like this circle of group with like Shane and a few other people and JBL was there. So he introduced me to him. He's like, John, this is my buddy, Dave. And he stuck his hand out and, you know, said, nice to meet you. I said, hey, man, you know, nice to meet you, too. I really like, you know, what you're doing with the commentary. I like your work. And and, and very, like, you know, JBL heel fashion, he was like, I know, I know. I like my work, too. Everyone likes my work. I hear it all the time. So um, not too long after that, Sandman is at the, is, is there. And he pull, he walks in. And he's got like a leather bomber jacket on, no t-shirt on underneath, what? black jeans and boat shoes. Yeah. And he's holding two beers, two Budweiser's bottles in each hand. And he like is like draped over JBL's shoulder. You could just see the look of disdain on JBL's face. Like, get the fuck off of me. <laughs> like, leave me alone. And so he's literally, he, like, he's fucking drunk. Like, he's, yeah. he's what you would see on TV, like, in these matches. Like, that's how he looked. Like, he lived that character. And you're in the same room. I'm in the same room with it, right? <laughs> yeah. So then, after I'd had a few, I gotta go hit the head. Yeah. And he's in the bathroom. And, um, he's, like, two stalls. He's, like, there's a whole line of urinals. And he's, like, two or three down from me. And he's just peeing. And there's, like, a couple other guys in there. And he's just, like... He, he yells out, he's like, who wants to play the skin flute? <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh. And he like looks over at me and he just starts laughing. Everyone else in the bathroom's laughing. They all think it's fucking hilarious. And he's fucking hammered. Um, so, yeah, I didn't want to play the skin flute. Didn't bother asking. I peed. I washed my hands. I went back out there. And I just said to Shane, I was like, uh, I go, Sandman's really living that gimmick. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, for sure. I go, I go, yeah, he wants someone to play the skin flute in the bathroom. And he goes, well, did you do it? I was like, no, fuck no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the end of that. Uh, you ever see BWO, who were a big part of ECW yep. at one point? Um, the, your boy, the Blue Meanie. The Blue Meanie, yeah. yeah banged, uh, of course, uh, Jasmine Sinclair. And Nova and um, Big Stevie Cool with the Dudleys. Oh, Kid Cash. Talk about a botch spot right there. Ooh, yeah. He, he threw himself over the top. Still rope. a big Kid Cash fan. I'm one of the few people that like actually like Kid Cash's uh, WWE work more than his ECW. Really? Absolutely. Him and Matt Hardy, I loved. I loved Kid Cash. Yeah. Am I, am I getting confused? It was it was Kid Cash and Matt Hardy, right? As a team? Uh, was was it Kid Cash and uh, like kind of like his manager for like a hot second there? No. The, the, I, the, I know the, that he Matt Hardy. 
Matt Hardy, like, WrestleMania 19. That's but, Shannon Moore. Thank you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Thank you. I know they small guys, blonde hair, they fly yeah. around, look alike. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. No, Kid Cash, um, what do you do in WWE? They tried to revive the Pitbulls gimmick with him and Jamie Noble as a tag team. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. That was stupid. And then they and then they gave him a run with the cruiserweight title um, briefly uh, in 2006. Yep. And then he didn't really do much yep. following that in WWE. I'm trying to think. Was Shannon Moore even in? I'm a, I have a total botch. Was he me. in ECW? That was, that was that Sabu botch right there for me. And then I'm trying to think. I don't even think he was. I know he was in w, WCW. Yes, he was. I don't, he was well, not I don't in ECW. He, yeah. But he would have fit their style with all the high flying and stuff. Speaking yeah. of high flying, we're about to see a spot here from Kid Cash as they all line up to catch him. <laughs> Holy shit! There yeah. you go. That was a good spot. Plancha. Now, the... Kid Cash was he over in the WWE, uh, Dave? Yeah, I just mentioned the the they they redid the Pitbulls gimmick with him and Jamie Noble as a team. Oh, and then I think that was Shane the, Marks. See, I'm the title. As well. Well, no, like, like I said, blonde hair, the guy flies around, yeah. kind of look the same, same height, same, you know, I stature. know Key Cash was in TNA. Yep, he did some stuff in TNA. Yeah. Some good stuff, too. Um, yeah. Did he shave his head or something? I think, yeah, I know he cut his hair for, you know, yeah. he didn't have he shaved his head and he actually, like, bulked up. Yeah. yeah. Balls Mahoney, mm-hmm. Axel Rotten, and the BWO. When does the, uh, the big brawl happen? At the end of this match. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do the big brawl and... You know, we'll we'll talk about that and, yeah. uh, in a little bit here. But this match was um, was ultra violence to say the least. Uh, as you see, a cheese grater uh, involved in this I match. I always love the, G- yeah. the cheese grater spot. This was the last match that the Dudleys would have in WWE until they returned in 2016. Really? This was this was right. Bef- the, their contracts were running out, and they decided to part ways. And um, they eventually would go to TNA. Yep. And they would do the Team 3D stuff. Um, they didn't have a bad run in TNA, I will say. I, I kind of enjoyed some of their stuff they did. That name, though, that took me a long time to... Uh, yeah. That c- took me a long time to... Yeah, they couldn't they couldn't trademark it. Yep. And Bubba couldn't be called Bubba, so he was Brother Ray. Um, Devon, his real name in, is Devon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Cheese grated the face. Didn't think I'd be calling that kind of action on this show. But here, yeah. Tommy Dreamer. Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray, um, co-hosts of the uh, the Busted Open radio show on Sirius XM with Dave LaGreca. That's I like that uh, that name. Busted Open. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> the blood. You can see the referee over there, kind of like you know what the hell. But um, I don't think that's the first time Bubba has done that before. Oh no, he's that that's that was like a regular thing with yeah. his with his character here. I like how they brought the old tie-dye back for this show. With the, I know, the Dudley it's so Boys. good. Um, when they went to the Hall of Fame last year, uh, they sold uh, Dudley Boys tie-dye shirts. Same style and everything. Um, it was like a Hall of Fame commemorative kind of kind of deal. Okay. But, um, yeah, Devon currently works behind the scenes for WWE as a producer. Bubba working behind the scenes and on camera for Ring of Honor. Um Sam, oh. Sandman and Dreamer. Dreamer kind of, you know, does his own thing with the House of Hardcore promotion that he owns, as well as, you know, he's been a part of AEW. Yeah. He's had a regular role on uh, Impact Wrestling. 
Um, Dreamer's a, uh, a, a one-man show uh, these last few years. WWE, he's had some he's, he's appeared for like almost every major wrestling promotion. Uh, Ring of Honor, too, um, in the last couple of years. Ugh. That cheese grater, man. I could just... Him rubbing it up against Bubba's head and as I'm watching, I could feel it, like, on your skin. Yeah. Not pretty. Not pretty at all. You know what's funny? So when I was when I was a punk teenager, I really loved this type of wrestling, all the blood and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm watching it now. Today I'm like, Ugh, I don't know if I like this stuff too much. <laughs> you, you you you've gotten soft in your old I age, there, did, Dennis. Yeah, I like like my favorite wrestler currently is Kenny Omega, and and like, of course Kenny Omega's biggest downfall is he doesn't seem like a legitimate fighter. Doesn't seem like a tough guy. You know yeah. what I mean? That, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I think I became a softie over, over my years. <laughs> yeah. Pan shot by uh, Tommy Dreamer to Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah. yeah, Sandman. The only it was the only person at this time that was not employed by WWE that was in this main event. He the was studio later. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. The, yeah. Later. Yeah. When yeah. they did the the relaunch. Um, but yeah, a lot of these guys would eventually get looked at or get offered deals um, to join. Um, Psychosis and Super Crazy, I think, both signed deals with them not too long after this show. And they were part of the, the, the cruiserweight division on SmackDown. Um, trying to see who else they, they, they picked up from this. They would wait about a year to do, you know, the, the relaunch, and then they called most of these guys again um, to be a part of that relaunch on Sci-Fi, which was a fucking joke, but... Oh, that sucked. Yeah, we can we can talk about that one for days, but, I mean, that would be a disappointing podcast to say so, that. So, that, um, in the, like, Mike Awesome versus Tanaka, right? Uh -huh. The finish was... A guy goes through the table and gets pinned on the outside. Yeah. It's actually absolutely no rules. Like I said, it was dead to me when 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 I think it was on the very, on the very first episode. Someone used a chair shot or to they that called the DQ. And then yeah, some guy DQ'd. I'm like, yeah. what? On the very first episode. I don't know if you remember the 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 Batista Big Show match that they had in the Hammerstein. Oh ballroom. yeah, yeah, they pulled the shit out of it. They, they said they, they were chanting, "Change the channel." Yeah. I was like. He, once they put a no, once they put um, disqualification rule in effect for the ECW brand, I knew it was, I knew it was doomed. I wish commentators too. I know, I know they can't shit on it, but 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 but, but when a match is that bad, I remember to say either Taz or some somebody was like, "This match is not that bad. These 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 fans need to keep quiet." And I'm like, <laughs> "What?" I'm like, "It's that bad, dude." Yeah, another run here. I was embarrassed here. watching this, the fucking thing. Impact players. Credible and Storm. Yeah, that's incredible on the barbed wire. You know what's interesting is that that last original ECW pay-per-view, I don't know if you remember that, Guilty as Charged, but they were, uh, Credible was going to reform the Impact players with uh, Steve Carino. Oh, there she is, Francine. Yeah, returning. That, yeah. Boom! Into that shot. Right to the ding-dong of Tommy Dreamer. Was she a part? Oh, yeah, she was Credible's valet for yeah. a brief moment. And there's Beulah 
making a return. Never that liked Beulah. We talked about. Never liked Beulah. Never a big Beulah girl. Yeah. yeah. I never got what the, what the peel is. You know she posed for I think for like Hustler or something. Did she? Beulah? Yeah. Before she before she got married. I think oh, she was still I ECW. Know that. I think yeah. she did pose for Hustler. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Look at this here. Oh. Knocks him out. Another, nut, another nut shot. <laughs> Dreamer out to the floor. Dreamer actually throwing Storm out to the floor. There oh, we see. Look at this. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> Reunited. I'm misunderstood. I think those are the words. Oh. Well, you did a good job. Look at that. Oh, double DDT. Oh, Bubba botched that one. She's going for the cover. See, the, the, this Wild West kind of style of ECW was what, you know, was very appealing. Um, but it certainly wasn't... Um... Look, guys, just look at Dreamer. Yeah, Dreamer. Look, it looks, like, looks like he's wearing a mask. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, gushing with it. It, was, it reminded me of um, uh, the, that, that Cody-Dustin match from AEW recently where Dustin was bleeding like a motherfucker. Yeah. Now, here you go. Right here. Oh! Yep, the Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> Devon used to always sell that stuff really uh, he's well. He's so good. He's so good. Very underrated. Everyone looked at Bubba as like the star of the group. I think Devon doesn't get enough credit. I totally agree with you. I'm not saying Bubba's not good, because I think he is, but I just think that, like, um, Devon, yeah. you know, deserves... I think, I, this, this is what I uh, put it, I think just Bubba in oh. general, especially when he did, like, his solo act in TNA... He thought he was a better wrestler than he really was, in my opinion. The Bully Ray character? Oh, yeah. He thought he was... I think he really came into his own. He made a believer out of me in terms of, like, you know, he was a big fish in a small pond in TNA, but I felt like they could have... They could have... They could have done an extension of that Bully Ray character in WWE. Like, he could have been a a top draw, in my opinion. You really think so? Yeah, absolutely. If 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 they didn't restrict him so much, but the Bully name, the Bully Ray... Um, I mean, he could have been a heel for sure. Like, I don't know. Especially their anti-bully. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that was what stopped it right there, was the anti-bullying campaign they have. You know, they couldn't exactly promote a guy named Bully Ray. Yeah. Um, But if they still called him Bubba Ray Dudley and kind of used that bullying, the characteristics of the Bully Ray character, I think it would have worked. They don't think it would have worked. I remember reading an interview with him where he was like, they were going to pull the trigger and they were going to do it. The night that um, the night that the Dudley Boys lost that match to like Anderson and Gallows on Raw, they were gonna pull the trigger and have him turn on Devon, and Vince changed it up at the last minute and said, "No, we're not gonna go that route. We can't with the the Be a Star campaign." Yeah, that's they. Were, he was originally gonna have a singles run. That's why Devon retired too, because he was done wrestling. Spike here, the runt of the Dudley litter. I liked Spike Dudley as, like, the heel, and he was bossing these two around. Like, he was the little Napoleon. You remember that? Yeah. When he was the Cruiserweight champion? I thought that stuff was good. I thought as him as, like, they called him the boss, Spike Dudley. And he was, like, the little the little shit talker. And he would, like, almost bully these two. You know, Bubba and Diva. Yeah. I thought that was some pretty cool stuff. That was kind of cool. And I thought that there could have been some legs to that. Flaming table. You can't have a Dudley Boy ECW match without a flaming table. Dreamer. Oof. Yeah. Crazy stuff. If that's not the finish, then I don't know what is. Come on. I was actually surprised that they had that uh, 
Now you go for the yeah. cover. One, two, three. Yeah. Finally, it's over. I, I was surprised that Zidane's one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dreamer worked at the time in the office for WWE, so he wasn't a full-time performer. Yeah. Sandman wasn't even under contract, and the Dudleys, I think, were on their way out. So it was one of those situations where it was like, you know, what do you... What kind of finish are you going to go with here? You know, it didn't. None of none of the finishes. Well, I shouldn't say none of them, but some of the you know, didn't matter what finish you went with. I don't think the fans would have cared either way, because it was an ECW show and ECW fans. They respected the Dudleys, yeah. you know. Look at yeah, I thought we were going to get the happy moment with like Dreamer and. Oh, Sandman. Get me a beer, he's saying. Get me a beer. <laughs> oh, he's going after Spike here. <laughs> it's like poor, poor dreamer. Somebody get me a beer. <laughs> huh. big for him. I can't think of one one place on the planet that, that a wrestling show wouldn't pop for him. I definitely don't think this is his rodeo, but... This is a pretty fun little exchange here with Austin on the mic. That's why I'm playing the audio. WWE's little spin on this show.
Johnny Swinger's in there. And I'm ready to drink some beer with you, but I came out here tonight to see a damn fight. I've seen brutality. I've seen calamity. I've seen bloodshed. And I've damn near OD'd on violence. But I'll tell you one thing. All I've been hearing all weekend tonight is Eric Bischoff, a little JBL with a little yellow tie. Kurt Angle, you little sorry son of a bitch. <laughs> Running your damn mouth saying you want to whip somebody's ass. So since you're so hell-bent on whipping somebody's ass and you've been talking so much trash, why don't you all turn around, get single file, and bring your carcasses to the ring and whip their ass. Now, Blue Beanie, I don't know if there's some foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> sit my ass out here, grab a chair and a beer. I'm going to watch some ringside and see what the hell happens. Give me a damn beer. Give me a chair. Hey. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Brad Shaw, you little son of a bitch. I'm telling you right now as I sit here and drink this beer, I sit back here and I heard Paul Heyman Run you guys down like I ain't never heard nobody run down. You all a bunch of yellow sorry ass cowards. <laughs> Turn angry, you gold metal son of a bitch. Pull that finger out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, I'll tell you what. Since you can't be insulted to come down here and fight, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to count backwards from 10. And at the count, 10 seconds. I guess I'm gonna just walk my ass up here and slap the piss out of each and every one of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would actually would have preferred that over yeah. the bro. I love Austin. He's such a great shit talker. Yeah, as so we're good. gonna see here, the, yeah. uh, the 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 troops are making their way down. They're gonna uh, yeah. They're gonna uh, you know get into it. Um, and if this wasn't like a if this wasn't like a, a work, obviously, this was actually like. Let's just say this was like real life, whatever, you know? Imagine Stone Cold out and like like that like that real life person probably would have been like, I don't even care who wins or loses. I just wanted to see a fight and just have beers and just sitting down. Yeah. Um, I mean the heat between, you know, Meanie and JBL as we'll see in this uh you know the, the exchange the, the two of them have. Like what was the backstory then? Why did so, JBL So uh, here, um Meany in the past in interviews has said that Bradshaw was a backstage bully, praise on younger talent, um, which is probably one of the reasons why uh, Bradshaw um, roughed him up. Um, you can tell. He's like looking for him. Yeah, and there was also some some shots that JBL took in some promos on SmackDown in the weeks leading up to this event, and he had targeted Blue Meany and Lance Storm, um, who he had some issues with as well. Um it's JBL saying that Meanie married a slut, referring to his former girlfriend, Jasmine St. Clair. Um, from the, uh, the, the the Lords of Pain... Oh, Taz. You can't have an ECW show without Taz. Yeah. Um, even though you didn't have an official match making an appearance here um, to come out. Uh, Tracy Smothers on JBL's attack on Blue Meanie during the show. Um, 
He goes, when we got there, something happened where me and he said something about John being a bully. I didn't know all this, but in the ring, it was intense. You didn't know what was going to happen. John had a ton of heat and was ragging on ECW. I just saw him waffle Meanie from the corner of my eye, and Meanie had staples in his head from a few nights before that, so blood was going everywhere. I went up to John and said, what the fuck, John? What is going on? He goes, fuck you, and sort of rabbit punches me. I come up with a punch, and I got him in the eye. He goes, ah, fuck, boy. He always called me boy. When we broke it apart, he went back, come back, and I said, I'll be back, fuck you, man. I looked over, and Regal was doing something with Balls and Axel. He does his spot with his cane, then I see Balls and Axel brawling with John. Then Sandman comes up behind him, grabs him from behind, and then I got some body shots on John. Um, and then Tracy Smothers recalls what took place back. So there you see it right there. You see Meanie and JBL going at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at the live rounds. These two are fucking lighting each other up. Oh. Angle falls right into the Taz Missioner, as uh, Joey Styles would say, the Katahajime. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that means, but that's what he used to call it. I think that's Japanese for the. You see some blood on JBL's shirt, so he lit, he lit him up pretty good. Where is the blue man you read about now? Uh, I think he right? powdered out because he got hit so hard. The the blood and the staples and everything. I think could be mistaken, but yeah, Smothers is trying to get in there. And, Get some shots in on JBL. Um, so then Tracy Smothers. Yeah, there you see a few more shots on, on Bradshaw from Smothers. Uh, yeah, there's a mini. Uh, uh, the um, turnbuckle. Oh, yeah. And uh, Smothers. this is what Smothers had to say regarding what happened backstage after the event. He goes, I go backstage and John was legit pissed off. Meanie goes, he shot at me. What the fuck? Thanks for helping me. I think he's mad over something I said in a shoot interview or something like that. So we came back and John was pissed off. Johnny Ace was screaming, we don't do that here. I kept my mouth shut because Vince said they were going to open up ECW and that we'd have full-time jobs. I didn't want to be unprofessional. And that was Tracy Smothers' account after, oh yeah, they're all taking shots at him. And I think this is where Bubba realized that this is some serious heat, so he got him out of there. You notice that? Yeah. He stepped in. Yeah, look at the blood all over his shirt. Yeah, this was pretty serious. And not too long after this event, there was a um, an event that the uh, WWE put out, Great American Bash 2005. And um, leading up to that, JBL wrestled Batista, but he had a little bit of a run-in with the with the the BWO and Stevie Richards fucking nails him in the head with a chair. Nice little receipt for Blue Meanie. And I and now they're friends, from what I understand. JBL and Meanie. There you see, Meanie all bloodied up. Yeah, pretty wild stuff. Yeah, I tell you what, if I'm the Blue Meanie, it, and it sounds like he was kind of a, I don't know. Plus, it might be a hard word because I wouldn't want JBL beating the shit out of me either. But, like, I would have took it as, holy crap, I'm actually reveling in the wrestling world again. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, he was, you could argue, after that, the biggest talk was in, was in Mike, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, Awesome throwing Tanaka through a table or Sandman's one, uh, you know, Sandman, Tommy Dreamer back together. It was... Holy shit. Blue Meanie and JBL yeah. trying to kill each other, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, if I had the Blue Meanie, I would actually, I would give a Christmas card to JBL every year. <laughs> I would. Well, like I said, they, they managed to patch things up, and from what I understand, they, I wouldn't say they're friends, but they get along. Um, 
but yeah, but I, I believe Bradshaw did have to apologize. And I also heard a story too that um, after the show, um, Orlando Jordan, who was paired with JBL on TV, yeah, um, he went back to the he went back into the locker room and thanked the ECW guys for putting on a good show, and he was trying to play like damage control. With the whole JBL situation, because JBL had a lot of heat with all those ECW guys, from what I understand, he was uh, he, he was not well liked. Um, you know, obviously based on the 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 quote I had read from uh, Tracy Smothers on that uh, that that Lords of Pain podcast, he was a part of. And poor Bischoff. <laughs> yeah, Bischoff kind of thought he was gonna skate out of there pretty clean, but. He was, you know, it's fitting, though. Think about this for a minute here. It's fitting that, you know, they kind of finish up with him. um, Because Bischoff was like public enemy number one to the ECW fans because of all the WCW talent that, you know, or the talent he he would sign to WCW that came from ECW and his public remarks he made um, to... ECW fans regarding his thoughts on the product and, and the brand itself. Diving headbutt by yep. Chris Benoit. Austin wearing JBL's cowboy hat. That's pretty funny. He's just directing traffic, telling all these dudes to get their get their finishers, their shit in on Bischoff with the the cowboy hat on. Got one more. Last one looks like Austin. Gonna lay it into Bischoff. Talk some shit to him first, you know. I'm pretty sure he drops him with a stunner at this point, but um We're in the closing moments of this of this event here. Probably another couple of minutes here. Um fourteen years later, what do you think of ECW One Night Stand two thousand and five? Oh, I love this show. Yeah. I really do. I really do. That uh I just which, uh, I, I know I brought this up a couple times. I yeah. just wish in, during their promos, they didn't bring up the WWE guys and all the other stuff. I just wish that they just kept it to, like, like like the memories and, like, what ECW did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, if they could have just one day just gave us the illusion that we were at an ECW show, not a WWE uh, doing an ECW show. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it didn't ruin the experience for you, did it? Or, or, or it can't. I mean, you said you loved this show, but for somebody, that's who, the only drawback of it is the, is the WWE involvement with this this like Raw and SmackDown kind of invasion. So, so, so wrestling in general, the best match, the best matches you're ever gonna watch are it. it you believe that you're watching a real fight. Mm-hmm. So the same thing it could be said about like you know this event. If they, if, if we had the true illusion that we were in for one night, for two or three hours, that we were just in, EC, in the world of ECW and yada, 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 I think it would have made a much better experience. Yes, I really do. Okay. All right. I mean, I guess a fair assessment, I guess. You know, I didn't mind it. It, it, it. You needed an antagonist and a theme for this reunion show. And I think it worked. It wasn't, you know, 
It was a great show. It really was. It was a great, great show. I, I, I don't think it took away from it. I really don't. I know you, you might think so, but I don't. I think personally. it took away from the ambiance. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, to each his own. Everyone's, yeah. you know, everyone, everyone's got different opinions. Nothing wrong with that. I could, I could see why you feel that way. It's not, it's not egregious for you to make that statement, but at the same time, um, I mean, it was, it was popular enough that it got one of the best buy rates on pay per view that year in two thousand and five. Oh, I bet it did. You know, enough where they, they, like I said, they looked into doing house shows and they were mm-hmm. trying to test it out, see if it was going to be a regular thing, maybe make it a part of, you know, uh, their programming. Uh, and I think the. Uh, I think you, you can. It's tough to say because I don't have the card in front of me or nothing. But I'll even say that the even next year's show uh, that that uh, might have been even been and might have uh, that a match for match might have even been a little bit better too. I know now, but I'm being contradictory. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but anyway, great. It was a good show. It really was. Yeah, I, yeah I, I can't argue that with you. But like I said, I understand where you're coming from completely. And that about does it for our ECW 2005 one-night stand watch party here on Kicking Out It 2. Dennis, as always, man, I always have a great time chatting it up with Pleasure you. Pleasure doing these. These are a lot of fun with you. I always look forward to having you, and uh, you know we'll, we'll be doing another watch party very soon on the schedule. Um, you know, the next few weeks um, are, are dedicated to our, our mutual friend, my brother, uh, your 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 work wife, I guess you can call yeah. him, Justin. Uh, you know, as he's as he's approaching uh, his his wedding. Um, you, you're not going to the stag, right? I can't. Yeah, my can't. niece is bar, bar you, mitzvah. Bar mitzvah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now I'll be at that. Um, that I'll be at the. Um, I always, I always, for some reason, my my head works weird. I always say ceremony when I mean reception. I'll be at the reception. I'll be at the reception. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I look forward to, to 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 hanging out with you. Um, at the wedding, it's gonna be a good time as always. But uh, these next few weeks, we're kind of kind of dedicate, um, to Justin. Uh, you know, as he's approaching, um. You know the main event of his life, which would be, you know, the his upcoming nuptials with Laura. So uh, next week we're gonna start, uh, you know, because it's that time of year. It's wedding season. You know what I mean? It's the, the 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 sun is shining, flowers are in the air, love is in the air, and we're gonna be covering. Uh, we're gonna do a wedding crashers countdown, the top twenty wedding crashing moments in professional wrestling oh, history. There's always a good, well wrestling wedding crashing moment and there's about 20 of them that we're going to count down from 20 all the way to number one hopefully justin's going to be joining me for that um and then the following week we're going to be returning with the my favorites collection um my favorites has been uh, a part of kicking out it too for the last uh, you know going on close to a year now and uh we've done uh favorite some favorite matches some favorite pay-per-views um some favorite storylines. We're going to do Justin's favorite wrestler of all time, Brett the Hitman Hart. Hopefully, Justin's going to join me for that as we sit down and we discuss uh, Brett's. Um, I, I'm sure he's going to join me for that. He definitely wants to be a part of that one. Um, he's talked to me about that. We're going to sit down and discuss Brett the Hitman Hart, his earliest memories of Brett going throughout his career, his, his notable career highlights and some of his career lowlights. Justin's um, and my perspective on these matches and these moments in Bret Hart's career as we bring you the my another installment of the my favorites collections and then rounding out um this uh this uh how, how, what would you call it with 
when it comes to, like I said, his march to the main event, his march to, 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 you know, wedded bliss, yeah. uh, so to speak. Yeah, Justin's yeah. march to wedded bliss. We're going to round it out with July, on July the 3rd, his wedding day. Before he marches down the aisle and says, I do, Justin's going to join me as we're going to participate in another watch party of the In Your House Calgary Stampede from 1997. The main event was wow. the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart, Owen Hart. British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and Brian Pillman facing off against Stone Cold Steve Austin, Gold Dust, Ken Shamrock, and the Legion of Doom. Also on that card, you had Undertaker and Vader for the WWF title. You had Takamichinoku and the Great Sasuke, uh, light heavyweight match, as well as uh, Triple H and Mankind. Uh, probably one of the more underrated um, in-your-house pay-per-views. I would even say this. That's my favorite pay-per-view of all time. Really? Absolutely. You know what? All time. All right. If you want to be a part of that one, maybe we'll, 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 we'll align some schedules. Yeah. You, you, me, and that Justin. Is, can... I'm not even joking. Any wrestling promotion, any pay-per-view, that is my favorite pay-per-view of really? all time. Really? Okay. Um, you know yeah. what? We're going to make match that happen. Match to match, is a, it was just perfection. Justin wanted to be a part of that, so you know what? We're going to get the... You know what? Let's make it happen. We'll get the band together. I'll just throw it the out three. there. No, no. I want Absolutely. you a part of it, because I love having you a part of these things, man. And especially yep. when you and him go back and forth with opinions. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. It's great. So, we're going to get the band back together, and the three of us are going to be a part of that one. So, uh, that's right before Justin walks down the aisle on his wedding day. He's going to join us, and uh, we're going to we're gonna watch In Your House Calgary Stampede uh, from July... The 6th of 1997. We're going to do that on July 3rd, the morning of his wedding. So um, I might drop that show a day early, depending on my schedule, being a part of the wedding and all, and being there. So we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, that's our schedule for, um, you know, the, the next few weeks as Justin makes his march to match, you know, holy matrimony, wedded bliss, if you will, to the main event of his life as he marries the love of his life, Laura Frankowski, soon to be Laura Rosenbluth. Um, so yeah, that's what we got, you know, on you know on deck and in store for the next few weeks here and kicking out too. Dennis, like I said, thank you so very much. Pleasure, it's indeed. been a pleasure. And I think it's about that time that we put this show down for an extreme three count. There's no more table bumps. There's no more flaming tables. No more barbed wire baseball bats. No more blood. It is about that time that we put this show down for the three count, and we will see you all next week.